Welcome to the 304th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on October 2nd, 2022, and it's feeling spooky in here. Hey, my name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and I am 50% of this year's show with me is the man who loves a good smoky flavor, Carlos Rodella. If you mean smoke in the air around us, then I guess. That is absolutely what I mean. I can't even see my computer because it's so fucking smoky in here. Yeah, it can't be Halloween yet, like we talked about pre-podcast, because it's hot and smoky here in Washington. That forest fires or something? I don't know. Well, like, Where is the forest fire? Because we can't even open our doors. There's so much smoke here. Yeah, we're right next to it. There's a, a fire that's to the east of us, and it uh, just okay. keeps burning. And so if it's warm, uh, it's almost like, you know, science. It gets hotter. There's more fire, and there's more smoke. So, yes, I want to be spooky. I'm so excited for Halloween and watching creepy things and playing creepy video games. But right now, geez louise, it doesn't feel like Halloween. That is for sure. You know, speaking of which, I know we haven't really started the show yet, but it just occurred to me as we're doing our uh, opening banter here, as we do, um, it is October. I didn't even really realize it until I read the opener, and I guess we should probably start talking about what we're going to do for, you know, Spooktober or whatever we decide to do. I know that, like last year, I think, I know that you played spooky games for sure. I think maybe I played like one or something, but we, we should maybe talk about that, or maybe the listeners have a request for us to do something spooky this October. I don't know. You got any... Initial thoughts, Carlos? Well, I'd love to just do one whole episode of Scary Games. I mean, I think that's very easy because there's so many sure. of them out yeah, there. Lots of so them that should be the main thing, which is like we pick the day or whatever, like uh, the podcast that gets closest to Halloween is. And we say, hey, that one is our spooktacular spook cast or whatever. That's spook a good cast. idea. That's a good idea. And so they will just be all either new or it can be older games too, scary games. But I would like to try to do new ones. Um, yeah. Well, you know, that is that is a great idea. I think we roll with that. Um, but I would put a challenge out to the listeners. Um, so, you know, I, I talk many times about my fear tolerance is real low and I don't really play a lot of scary games, which is true. But I do want to celebrate Spooktober here. So I, I, what I would like to do is I would throw this out to the listeners. If you can name a somewhat spooky or Halloween related, October related, I don't know, anything, witchcraft, whatever, something that fits the theme, but... Number one is not fucking first person because God damn it, I'm so tired of first person. <laughs> and number two is not so dark that you can't see because every time, you know, Halloween games roll around, we get a lot of PR and they're always like, here, play our Halloween game. And it's always a first person, super dark game in some abandoned location. And they're they're just all the same, dude. And I just, I feel like people are more creative than that. So if anybody yeah. can think of like a spooky top down game, a spooky puzzle game, a spooky platformer i don't know just something that's not a first person fucking dark as hell game please send that to me and i'll play those and then carlos we can split those up or if you've got something you want to play maybe you're not as tired of the dark first person as i am but i'm, I'm like over it man so i well, don't know whatever whatever we can find i do like the the dark creepy third person a lot too sure which sure, i feel sure. like you know that's it's originated with me with silent hill and um obviously resident evil and stuff like that so I'm still into those. If you want to send me some of those, I like that. Um, I'm not over the first person, but at the same time, I don't. I'm definitely over the, uh, which is funny because it's all about you know that's how horror movies are. But the underpowered you know protagonist, yeah, yeah so yeah, that yeah. you basically just have to hide the whole game. Like I don't want to just hide the whole game. There's um, a lot of hiding games. What is the game that came out? Um, gosh, it was a while ago, and it got really bad reviews. But they made a sequel to it. It's a third person horror game. I think it's on Game Pass right now, even. And I've heard a lot of people say that if you don't 
pay attention to the title of it. It's actually a really good game. And gosh darn it to heck. It was by the guy. It was one of the Resident Evil guys. Was it Shinji Mikami? No, that's not right. One of the Resident Evil guys made at Tango Works. He made a horror game. And the first one had bosses that were like almost invincible and people hated it. And then the second one, no one paid attention to. But it's really I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, look it up. I don't know. God dang it. Well, we'll do we'll do that for sure, and yeah, we'll take uh, listener uh, ideas for scary games. That would be amazing. So, all right, excellent, excellent. We're off to a good rousing start here. All right, folks, let's just jump right into housekeeping. Uh, you know, starting things off as we do. Uh, Carlos and I share a virtual living space divided down the middle with a strip of duct tape. That's right. It is the housekeeping segment. Um, I've got a lot of stuff this week, like an mm. unusual and fairly unhealthy amount this week. Whoa! Uh, what do you got, Carlos? I only have a few little boxes. Um, one that's a kind of a bigger box when you open it up, even though it looks like it's little from the outside, it's an optical illusion, is the box that says E3 is returning next year. Oh, I saw that. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, in in person, I should uh, clarify, um, at the you know L, uh, LA Convention Center. So um, I, know, I don't know about you, but I definitely think I'll probably go... Um, I've definitely been wanting to go for a while because they're going to do business days, like the old school days, which I guess, I don't know if they did before they closed it down, but basically like June 13th through 15th will just be business days, which is old school games press. It's uh, been a while since that happened. Yeah. Publishers and stuff like that. So, and then general public will still be allowed to go in, um, two days after that. So, um, 15th and 16th, I think. But anyways, I thought that would be cool. I'd like to go down before the, you know, masses are there and actually get to play some games for for once Yeah, and talk to developers because we talked about this before, but that's my favorite part of those shows. Two parts. One, because I've been to, we both been to a lot of them, um, is to talk to the developers and have time with them and not be rushed or in a line or some bullshit. And also to meet other people that are in the industry. You know, we have to see a lot. You know what I mean, right? And actually, right, right. to see them in person. So, <clears throat> so I'm I I might go back down for that. I will definitely not go, but I'm excited that it still is a thing, and maybe some point in the future, I will return. But uh, I'm glad they're doing the business days again. I feel like that really got lost in the yeah. shuffle, mm-hmm. um, and that was really one of the things. I mean, I was fortunate enough to go. I mean, I know that you were too back in the day, uh, before it became like just like a giant public free for all. And I don't mean you know. I don't want this to sound like elitist or anything. I'm not saying that like only games journals deserve to have good things, but you know, like there was a big difference between showing up at E3 and you can, you can stick your arms both out sideways, like in a T pose and not touch anybody. Cause it wasn't that crowded. People had time to talk to you. You could meet people and have a nice conversation without shouting. And then it kind of became just like wall to wall people and like a million miles long for lines. And yeah, you know, $19 for a taco or whatever. And it's like, you know, I, I wouldn't mind going back to a little bit more, business oriented then you know then you have your hoi polloi and like crowds and stuff later on but i think a separation is pretty good i'm with you yeah so we'll see it's gonna offer up a lot of discussion but i'm kind of just excited about it and lastly to leave that uh topic is that i do like the randomness and the craziness of an in-person e3 i don't i'm not speaking of the crowds and speaking of the weird uh presentations you know what i mean and like all those kind of weird meme cringe moments that happen Oh, so, yeah. I actually like those. But I really like bumping into people unexpectedly that you either are friends with or maybe people that you know from Twitter or social media or maybe just famous people that you just bump into. I mean, I, I've talked about this in the show before, but like uh, I bumped into uh, Hideo Kojima multiple times at E3. We were both were checking out God of War when that first came out 
Uh, I was literally playing the God of War kiosk right next to him as we were as <laughs> nice. as they were showing that off the first time. I bumped into Will Wright. Uh, I bumped into Sid Meier back in the day. I bumped into like a lot of people where you're just like, oh wait a minute, is that John Romero? Man, that's totally John Romero. Hey, what's up, John? I've played, you know, it's me yeah. from so and so. You know, that's that's really cool and fun. And uh, you know, I feel like it's it's kind of a neat opportunity that really only happens in E3. So, dude, to, to that point, that's how I met. Um, I don't know if it's E3 or GDC, but it's essentially the same type of thing, like a tech show, game show, uh, where you know you do you have the time to talk to people and the space to actually see them. Yeah. But uh, one of the shows I met Richard Garriott, which is yeah, yeah, yeah. idol that's of huge. mine of that's huge. Ultima. And then E3 is definitely where I met um, Snoop Dogg and also Adam West um, <laughs> oh, and man. a bunch of other, like, you know, in quotes, famous people that um, were just like celebrities in, in that yeah, kind of way. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then, you know, some of them were really good conversations about games and they weren't really about like with Snoop, which I brought up before. But we talked about old Nintendo games and like Mike Tyson's punch out and stuff. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Anyways, I anyway. told you it was a bigger box inside. Yeah. Close oh, you know, I got I got to just say this before we leave the topic. I forget to mention this, but when I bumped into Will Wright, uh, I bumped into him on the game floor, and he was just walking around, and I'm like, "Oh, hey, excuse me, are you Will Wright?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, hi, yeah, my name's Will. Uh, nice to meet you." And he's like, you know, like he introduced himself like he was nobody, and then he gave oh. me his business card. He's like, "Oh, you know, in case you want to reach me or something." That's awesome. He, his, he was just like a, he was just like a dude, like he was like zero pretense whatsoever which i thought was the coolest thing about yeah it, so. totally yeah it was awesome anyway all right um i got a bunch you want to just run through your three and then i'll do my whole list or what do you want to do um i'll just do one yeah i guess because mine are pretty small one okay, go for it. um the elden ring board game is coming out yeah all right i know i, I didn't think pass. you would like it pass okay well let's just pass that uh, and then, um, <laughs> I, no, no, I didn't mean to kill it. If you if you're excited, go for it. I'm not. I mean, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. I don't know how they're going to do that, and yeah, it's not the same thing. But it's interesting. And then um, everybody's like up in arms about this uh, Dunky publisher thing. Oh yeah, that came out like oh yeah, just after we finished the podcast last week. We missed yeah, those barely. Yeah. So I guess I don't know or care enough. Uh, Dunky's his name, right? Like that's he's a game I, YouTuber. Person. I don't know, dude. I've heard of his name, but like I couldn't tell you literally anything about him other than that his name is Dunky. So well, I've know. listened to his videos a couple times. I feel like I get annoyed with like his energy. I don't know. Sure, sure. But um, the bigger discussion around it is like, you know, should people who work in YouTube game press like make games? Well, anybody should be able to make games. Um, and he's a he wants to do a publishing with his wife. Yeah. Like, and so like he's going to help other indie games be made. So that's awesome. Like, why is that a bad thing? I mean, I don't know that it, I don't know that that was a bad thing. Um, I I mean, I think I don't see any inherent problem with that. I mean, he's already got obviously a following in a channel, so he's got the PR covered, can just talk about his own games on a channel or whatnot. The thing that um, that I saw being controversial, and maybe this is true, maybe it's not, but I saw people attributing to him some quote that said he's only going to publish the good games, like he's got it figured out, right? And then every oh. publisher. Every publisher in my feed, and I follow a lot, were like, oh, look at this asshole. This guy thinks he knows what he's doing. He's only going to publish the good ones. Huh? Because because we intentionally set out to publish the bad ones, right? Because that's right. kind of what you're saying. Um, I don't know if he actually said that, but a lot of people were reacting as if he did say that. So it kind of seems like that's what happened. Okay, well, that would be a shitty thing to say. But in this day and age, when we have no idea what anybody ever really said, because there's right. no damn objectivity. I know, yeah, um, yeah. But so I won't put that on him because I don't know if he's had it or not. But if he did, that's a shitty thing to say because, yeah, everybody's trying to make 
good games and publish good games. Yes. So like like anybody wants to go ahead and publish a bit. Give me a fucking break, dude. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, anyways, that's all my boxes. So move over to your huge mess. Okay. Okay. Just circling back to the Halloween episode for a second. I was doing some stealth Googling while you were talking. I was right. It was Shinji Mikami and it was Tango Gameworks, and the game title I could not remember was and i forgot it again because i'm awesome the evil within 2 that's what oh, it is right and i was thinking of the evil within when we were talking about third person games that yeah are okay yeah exactly so i've heard the evil within is actually it's got some good points to it but i heard that some of those bosses are like kind of broken almost to the point that you can't beat them and i don't know that they ever fixed it so i'm kind of staying away from that one but i heard a lot of people say if you let go of the baggage from evil within one and approach evil within two as its own thing and I guess just, you know, have an open heart when you play it, that it's actually pretty good and decent and fun. So All right. maybe I'll check that one out. I think I have it on Game Pass or whatever. So, all right, moving on to the housekeeping. So, okay, this is kind of a big deal for the show, kind of a big announcement. Um, this is the first time we're mentioning it here actually on the show. Uh, but we have often said recently that we're having some technical problems, more of it on my side than Carlos's side. I've got my anti-tech <laughs> energy or karma or universal you know whatever going on that yeah. i just seem to like curse my tech uh that boy that was really kicking in for me this week boy i tell you i tell you what um but the bottom line is my computer is really really old and we have lost a couple shows recently you may re- recall uh when i was doing my solo show when carlos was off uh doing his sex tour of southeast asia <laughs> i did a one-man show and i lost the entire show because my computer crashed and i had to redo the entire show by myself uh, prior to that, Carlos and I lost a show because of, again, a crash on my side. And so we had to redo that whole show. That ended up being like the speedcast because we went through it so fast because we just had to, like, we had limited time and had it covered again. I don't want to do any more crashes and I just need a better computer. The computer I have is, I think, more than 10 years old. Oh, so, yeah, it's pretty old. I mean, I don't want to tell you what, what version of Windows I'm on, but it's Windows. <laughs> It's just window. It's, it's a window. It's just window. Yeah. So I definitely, I desperately need a, a new computer and a couple bucks would be great for that. Uh, I need a new microphone because uh, we've been, Carlos and I have been discussing uh, behind the scenes, just the microphone I have right now is not quite cutting it. It's not quite sounding as nice as we would like it to. And Carlos needs uh, like an external hard drive to do some data storage. So we put up a GoFundMe. We don't, we don't want to do a Patreon. Um, that was something we discussed. We ruled against it for various reasons. And yeah, not it, ongoing. We just want like, yeah, 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 yeah not just a little bit of smidge of help here. just like a one-time purchase to help get us over the edge for this tech stuff um so if you could go to gofundme um you know put in uh, so video games give us a couple bucks that would be great i mean i feel kind of even bad even asking for it and we do this show because we like it not because we're in this for profit or because we're trying to you know do anything like that but i mean the fact is tech costs some money and we are now up to this is what episode 304 so 304 episodes nothing behind a paywall never asking for a dollar and in fact um we know we're hosted at GameCritics.com. At GameCritics.com, we have zero advertising. We've never, we haven't had any advertising for probably like the last, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years. So it's 100% free. Podcast is 100% free. We do this because we love it. But if we could get just a couple bucks, $1, $5, $10, anything you can spare. And, you know, if you can't spare it, that's totally fine. I get that things are hard all over. It's hard everywhere. So, you know, don't feel bad if you can't contribute. But if you do have a couple of dollars that you could kick our way and you like the show, you listen to the show. Um, we would just really, really, really appreciate it. Um, we've had a number of people contribute to the GoFundMe so far because we did talk about it on Twitter first and Instagram as well. Um, and we've had a couple like really big donations. Um, I'm going to give a shout out in a minute to the people who donated. But so far, 
Um, we have earned enough money to get Carlos the hard drive, and we have earned enough money to get the microphone. So that's awesome. That's yeah. two big wins so far. I'm very excited about that. And thank you, everybody who donated. I'm going to read your names in a second. Um, but we still have a couple couple bucks to go for that computer, which I really, really could use because window is not cutting it. I need at least one more window in this thing. At least one more. At least one more window. I hear they're up to like 12 or 11, and I've got one. So I have – what do I have, 11 windows? I think I have 11 windows, yeah. Okay, I definitely do not have 11 windows. I don't have that many at all. But let me give a quick shout-out to the people who have donated so far. We've had some really great donations as well. So thank you very much. To Andy Robertson of the Taming Gaming Family Gaming Database. Andy is a longtime friend, longtime supporter. He's awesome. Uh, Jason Cacho of the Mercury News in the Bay Area. Jason is an awesome dude. I uh, got to h- hang out with him during uh, Dragon Age release. I think we were both at the pre-release for that. And he's a great guy. Also just had a baby, so congratulations again on the baby. Uh, big thank you to Ryan Nally, Christopher Urquhart, Travis Lowe, Rock Breathnatch, and I apologize if I'm not pronouncing that right. That was my best attempt. I, I do apologize uh, if I if I mangled that. Jeremy Fowler, good man, Jeremy Fowler, uh, longtime listener, Lalena. We all know Lalena. Yeah. Uh, a couple of anonymous folks, so did not want to be named, but thank you very much for donating. Uh, and S.J. Easton, thank you very much. So all these people were super, super generous. They all gave a ton and have already bought us two of the three things we need. We just need that computer, and I think we're set for another decade. Um, it's been basically a decade since I've upgraded my tech, so I feel like I could get this new tech going for another, like like once a decade. I feel like he's not too bad for like a GoFundMe, so I, yeah. I don't feel too bad about that. Yeah. Um. So once again, go to GoFundMe.com, uh, check out some video games. You'll see it in our Twitter feed here and there. And if you could donate a couple bucks, that would be great. And if you can't, no big deal. But if you can, we'd love you. And also, yeah, thanks again to everybody who already did that. Absolutely. Because basically, you'll be able to hear the results of your donations like really fast because yeah. uh once we get that microphone going um for me i'm like a super audio like uh i don't know specialized ears that can hear everything and um yeah brad's side of the thing of this podcast has a lot of weird sounds going on sometimes yeah so if you don't hear it that's great but you also will get this huge sense of clarity uh, once he can get this new Sure microphone that we're excited to get. So there's yeah. a lot of things that you'll hear de- immediately in the podcast for your donations. Exactly. It'll be a benefit for Carlos because he'll have a lot less of my messy audio to clean up because of this microphone. And oh. it'll be a benefit for you listeners because uh, you'll sound, you'll hear a clearer tone from me, uh, whether you want it or not, I guess. <laughs> and it'll just be a better quality of audio overall. And if you listen to the show, then I want you, everyone listening, to have like the best possible experience. And so we're doing what we can. Uh, and again, two out of three goals met. We just have one more goal to meet. And if you're listening, United States, around the world, another country, whatever, please go to GoFundMe. And I promise we will not beat you over the head with this. This is probably going to be the one time yep. that we will mention it on the show. We're not going to make a big deal out of it. So if you can, please donate. And thank you very much in advance. Uh, okay, moving on. Uh, Stadia. Stadia is over. Did you see this, Carlos? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, not a big surprise, but. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think Stadia was kind of dead from the get-go for a couple reasons. I mean, Google really famous for starting something and then just like dropping it like without even really supporting it that well this is just one more in a long string of things they've done where they they get it off the ground big hoopla and then they just kind of quit for whatever reason yeah Uh, but also the streaming thing it's like this this like brass ring for people who want to just get things streaming for whatever reason and i just i honestly don't think it's going to work until at the very least until we're much further advanced in the tech than we are i just don't think we're there i just really don't um so i don't know i mean the the plus side is that if you put any money into Stadia, they're going to give you a full refund for the equipment and the games, which is cool. I'm very glad they're doing that because that stuff's going all offline in like a month or two. 
but you know, Stadia is done. It's 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 kaput. Any thoughts, Carlos? Not really. I mean, it's kind of like I, the writing was on the wall from the beginning. Like you said, we just I remember on live. I was playing oh, online, yeah. and yeah, that yeah. was like way before this, and they were trying the same thing. So, yeah, the the proliferation of like true fast, high speed, four K, you know, type internet ability, that's important. And once that's not there yet, you know what I mean? How many people have really good fiber or something? Yeah, and so, honestly, like if you're playing a Twitch game, I don't know. I mean, maybe at some point we'll discover some strange quirk or something that like reduces all lag, but like. You know, when you're playing a fighting game or when you're playing some really, really high intensity Twitch game, a Souls or something where like every frame counts, I just don't know that that's going to cut it, man. I just don't well, know. Well, we also have remote play from consoles, right? And so mm-hmm. that's, I guess, a little better already. And then secondly, yeah, like I don't, this will take a while, but like if we all had a quantum computer, you know, sure, um, it wouldn't be too expensive. But like that's the kind of like tech <clears throat> that would make like instantaneous you know, exactly delivery exactly. Of, of information. But and right who knows now, if that's even like, like possible in this, in this plane, who knows, right? This, this it is. Existence. And we get to do a tangent about it, but we won't. Um, it's just, it's, it's yeah, just like the old PCs used to take up rooms because sure. they were that big yeah, 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 and they were like, you couldn't buy them. Uh, that's where we're at with quantum computers, but we're making them, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, it's just time, I think. Yeah. So we're not there yet. We're, we're not, not there yet. yet. All right, so, okay, a couple other things, quickie game announcements. We talked last episode, I think, about a new joint venture from Electronic Arts and Koei Tecmo. It was going to be a hunting game, yeah. and we were very surprised because we don't really see... Uh, Koei has dipped in a little bit uh, with Tuki Den, which was actually not too bad, uh, but EA, that has not been something they've ever touched before, and it was kind of like out of the blue, where they're like, oh yeah, we're doing like this ma- major hunting game billions of dollars poured into it and stuff the announcement trailer came out last week and so it is no longer a secret it's called wild hearts did you see this trailer carlos i didn't see the trailer i just saw the artwork for it and it looked like monster hunter right yeah it looks very much like a cross between monster hunter and tukey den so you've got giant monsters uh koai tecmo brings like a very strong like asian flair to their designs so it looks very much like tukey den which was a i believe a japanese themed hunting game but the, the, the hook to this one um, is that they have technology in with the hunting. So the big monsters, everybody's got big weapons, swords, crossbows, whatever. But there's also like this kind of, um, I don't even know how to, what they even describe it as, but there are these like gadgets that you can pull out. Like you can throw out a little box and it turns into like a giant tower and you climb the tower to get on top of a tall monster. Or there's like a little box with a, a, a helicopter blade on it. You toss it down, grab it, and then it like it flies you around the uh, the arena to get over gaps or to get behind a monster or something. Uh, there's like a giant crossbow. You like throw this box that it, it pops up to this giant crossbow. So they want you to kind of use these these technological things to um, you know supplement your hunting in addition to just uh, hacking and slashing. It looks pretty cool. Like I think uh, the production values are already looking pretty through the roof. And I know that Koei Tecmo they know a thing or two about both hunting and just like combat games in general. Uh, and EA has, you know, infinite pockets. So I'm guessing, I mean, I'm, I'm still wondering why they're doing it, but it looks pretty <laughs> badass so far. I mean, yeah. I'm kind of interested. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I'm not the biggest monster hunter fan. So, um, that part is working against it for me, but I'm interested in them taking chances on something new, a new style like this. So yeah. Oh, follow right. it. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, further game announcements grounded. The game that is on Xbox Game Pass, uh, I forget who it comes from. It's from a studio that we like. And his name oh, um, oh my is goodness. it from Obsidian? Obsidian, yeah, yeah Obsidian, yeah. yeah. It's the one. It's kind of like uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the game where you're a person who's teeny tiny. You're in a yard, and the grass is huge, and the bugs are huge, 
and you're trying to survive in, I don't know, someone's backyard or front yard or whatever, it finally, finally hit a 1.0 release uh, just a couple days ago. It's been in beta, I want to say more than, like more than a year, maybe even two years. It's been in beta for a long time. Um, they've been adding features, tweaking it, you know, taking feedback, et cetera, et cetera. But it's now finally in a 1.0. They say it is quote unquote finished. I mean, I, I'm sure they're going to tweak it, whatever. But like you can start the campaign. It actually has an ending. You can roll credits. You can go from A to Z on this game. And that's kind of what I was waiting for. Um, so I'm, I'm happy that, uh, that it's finally there. It's been quite a while. It's been a long time coming, but I'm kind of excited to finally crack it. So you're going to jump in then? I think I probably will. Um, I think because we are an Xbox house. We had to choose between Xbox and PlayStation. We went Xbox this generation. And this seems like something that would appeal to my wife and uh, to my kid. And so we can team up on that if we like to. I think there's also like single player aspect to it. This seems like something we could all just like have a family experience with. So I'm definitely going to check it out. Yeah. And plus, yeah. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is just like iconic, pretty, pretty cool thing in general. So yeah, it definitely has that like family feel to it. So that's yeah, yeah. why, of course, I won't <laughs> be playing it. But um, I recommend it to all families out there. There we go. One more game announcement and then a couple of bits and bobs here. Uh, so there's a game called Chaos Head Noah, which is a latest entry in a long running series that has been going on um, on the Switch. And it's also on PC. It's an anime, kind of a sci fi visual novel sort of series. Um, Stein's Gate, I believe, is like the the initial point for that. And it kind of spiraled out into like several other offshoots and games. I've, I've heard a lot about it. And I've heard a lot of people in my feed say they really like it, but I haven't cracked it yet. Um, so anyway, the latest game is called Chaos Head Noah. It's coming out on Switch, and it's also coming out on PC, except it's now canceled for PC. And the reason being, um, there was something, some content they objected to, which is bizarre, right? Because it's not a porn game. It's not a triple X game. It's just a sci-fi visual novel. And it's coming to Switch in untouched fashion. So it kind of blew my mind. That Nintendo, who is famous for being uptight and straight-laced, is going to be like, yeah, cool, no worries, here's this visual novel. And Steam, who has a jillion porno games on their store, is like, no, 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 we're not selling this one. Uh, um, and that was weird to me, so I asked a couple people. Uh, I talked to Operation Rainfall, actually, um, and I was talking to them on Twitter. They know a lot about this kind of stuff. And they were saying, if a game is categorized as being 18+, that means basically all rules are off, more or less, on Steam. But if something is categorized as being a teen game, uh, similar to how it was rated on the Switch, way more stipulations. And so unless uh, unless the publisher was willing to change it to an 18 plus, Steam was going to refuse to release it. So, OK, so that's just seems something seems fishy here um, because, yeah, like you said, there's just way more intense over the top stuff on Steam than on Switch. So that doesn't yeah. it doesn't make sense. And Switch has been more relaxed lately. You know what they I mean? They have, yeah. They really um, have. Which is kind of weird, too. And I don't understand this. I think it's a technicality. I bet you it's just some sort of technicality. Like you said, some sort of classification issue. Yeah. Uh, and it's not really about the content. I, I can't see because it's a visual novel. I'm looking at it. It's nothing Yeah, it doesn't all. seem very, yeah. I mean, I, I almost wonder. I mean, Steam has been kind of tight-lipped about it. But I almost wonder if it has to do with maybe another country. Because, you know, Steam's international platform. And their ratings apply to other countries, and some are more uh, reserved than others. I wonder if there's something about it that's fine in Japan, and maybe even fine here in America, since it's being released on Switch in America. But you know, maybe some, maybe Germany or something, or maybe Australia or something is like, no, 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 we can't have X or something. 
I wonder if it's an international issue, but yeah. we don't know. Like we just we just don't know. They have not been saying anything about it, hmm. other than the fact that it is full on canceled. So if you do want to play Chaos at Noah uh, and you're in the states, you're going to have to play it on Switch. All right. There we go. Speaking of Switch, this is a little bit of a weird tidbit, but Carlos, there's something that's been really really bothering me about about the Switch. I'm sure that you probably haven't had the same problem, but my problem is that my Switch wish list in the store is full. Oh, I don't have that problem. <laughs> I didn't think you had that problem. No. Uh, yeah, it's fucking annoying, dude, because I go into the Switch wish list and I, I just I tag anything that I think I'm going to play at any point ever. Like, And I wait for a sale. Switch games go on sale all the time. If you are a value-conscious shopper, if you check your wish list once a week, I guarantee you half the shit that you want to buy is on sale that week. Um, I've gotten some incredible deals. I mean, I'm 90% off, 99% off, 80% off. I mean, as long as you wait for those deals, you can get those games for a fraction of the cost. And so I, I have a million games on my wish list, and I never hit a, an upper limit until two weeks ago. Uh, 400. 400 is the limit you can have on your wish list. Whoa. So okay, that, so hold on, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe buy some of them off your wish list? Oh, dude. I mean, I don't mean to brag or anything, but I've got over 1,000 games in my Switch library. So you so are I, buying them off the I wish buy list. games, yeah. I and buy you're games. also wishlisting them. Okay. Yeah, Man, you, you are to, a Nintendo Switch fanatic. I mean, when you can get them for 90% off, why not, right? I play, I mean, yeah. I often buy Switch games for like a dollar or less, dude. It's like, why not, right? Yeah. So you go to my library, it's over a thousand games, and I've got 400 in the in the wishlist. But, you know, so it's like now when I want a wishlist one, I got to take one off. And it's like, well, I'm not going to buy it right now, so I guess goodbye to that game. You're never going to get my 99 cents. But it's just, it's frustrating. But I feel like this is maybe a Switch limitation because I noticed the bigger my wishlist got, the slower my Switch runs when I'm in the store. It chugs really slow. Wait, that doesn't make any sense. It's like bookmarks. That means that I have to have a limit on my bookmarks. I mean, I agree with you. It doesn't make sense. And that's why I kind of feel like there's something... Switch missed a trick somehow because you can you can bookmark a million things and your your system runs fine like on other consoles. I've never hit an upper limit on the Xbox. I have not hit an upper limit on the PS5. But man, like I hit 400 and my Switch just chugs and weird. chugs and chugs. It's so although bad. remember you do have weird tech demons in all of your that devices. is true. That so is true. it could also be a wishlist monster. I mean, uh, it's very possible. Could be demons from another dimension ruining my gaming experience. It's very possible. Um, so there's that. Uh, if anybody from Nintendo is listening, uh, number one, please stop making the Switch chug when it hits 400. And number two, I would like to actually wish list more than 400. I mean, it, maybe that sounds crazy to some people, but like, there's more games than that that I would like to play. Just so. make it unlimited. There's no reason not to make it unlimited. Right? I don't understand. It's, it's not a real bookmark. You don't need to actually make a bookmark. It's just a thing. Electronic widget. So anyway, um, speaking of backlogs, I'm kind of I'm I'm curious about your opinion on this, and this is my last piece of housekeeping here. So I don't know about you, Carlos, but I suspect you probably have a pretty sizable backlog. Yeah, although I think I mentioned this a couple episodes ago, PlayStation re- recently gives you this new like um, make a collection. Yes, yes, uh, yes, which is nice, and then I can actually make a collection out of like my uh, games that I own or the backlog that I want to play. Like, say I've downloaded them or bought them and I still haven't played them yet. So, I, but when I went did that and I, I said, I was like, there's so many that I don't really want to play anymore. <laughs> so, my backlog got a little bit reduced when I actually went in and, you know, kind of created it. So, it's not massive, really. Well, what about if you count, uh, so like PlayStation 5, uh, Xbox, PC, 
I know you're not big on Switch, but like of all the systems that you've played, I mean, do you keep like a big running backlog of all your stuff or just whatever you're playing right now? I don't, but I know where you're going because yes. I actually was supposed to write this on my uh, show notes and I forgot to. So I'm glad you're bringing it up. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I wish I had some sort of system, maybe on an online <laughs> platform or database that I could keep all my backlog games in as I'm oh, rubbing yeah. my chin. Yeah, you're mentioning what? Is it backlogged is what it's backlogged, called? Backlogged, yeah. Backlogged. I've L- heard people Lelena mention it. Yeah, Lelena mentioned it. I haven't done that um, just because, I mean, honestly, if I looked at the backlog of stuff I have, it's it's too much. I mean, if you, I barely play anything on PC, but I do buy you know cheap Steam sales games sometimes. I've got games on PC. I've got PlayStation 1 games I haven't gotten to. I've got PlayStation 2 games I haven't gotten to. I've got uh, fucking Saturn games I haven't gotten to, right? So, like, I mean, if you look at it from that perspective, my backlog is, like, I will. I will not get to those games. I just. I just won't. There's not enough time in the human lifespan to get to all the games that I have racked up, right? And so, I kind of was talking about this on Twitter a little bit. I think I'm coming up with a new backlog strategy. So, like anything I haven't gotten to by now, I think I'm just going to let it go. Uh, but my new backlog thing uh, will be. I keep a list of all the games I played during the year. We talked about this a couple shows ago. I think uh, at the current count, I'm up to like 215 games for the year so far. Yeah. Uh, and you're pretty much neck and neck with me on that, I'm sure. Yep. Um, so on this particular list I'm keeping of all the games I played in the year 2022, uh, I color code them a little bit. And like if I finish one, I'll mark it as a yellow. I know I finished it. And if I if I mark it green, that means I liked it, but I didn't have time to finish it and I would like to get back to it. So I think my new backlog is going to be what did I play in 2022 that I didn't finish that I would like to go back to. And whatever that list is. At this point, it's probably like maybe 10 or 15 games. That's my backlog. And I just, I'm just, oh, okay. just not going to address anything from the past. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to dig out my Game Boy games that I never got to. I'm not going to dig out the PS1. I got to just let it go because life goes on. Right. So yeah. I think that's my new backlog is like, I'm going to keep a rolling yearly backlog. And that's, that's going to be it. Just like no more than like one year in the past. That's a really good idea. And also, I thought you were like building to the fact that we were going to mention backlogged with two G's the application nah. but I mean, not. it's a good idea but i don't think i will it's a good idea but so how are you then tracking those color coding things you just make up your own little spreadsheet is, thing it is just a little word document i keep because it's just a straight up just uh, list of games okay. pretty simple i'm pretty old school but like you that. could I, use backlog too like for you that could purpose you, i absolutely could and you know but i only have window right i don't you only, only have, have one window. window that's right backlog so needs I got at, a, least two windows. at least two windows um well no that's a good point because so two things one what lelena brought up with like having some software which is backlogged which is cool uh with two g's backlogged um and also what you're just saying to do kind of goes together i might actually do both of the things you guys yeah suggested. you know now we're talking about it maybe i will too you know what i mean like i'll just use that software to do what you're saying yeah. actually i'm going to do it after this podcast because that's a very important thing to do is yeah we, we can't just keep things going for years and years and years and on yeah. uh, look at what you want to play this year and put it in that little categorization because if i if i look at my wish list on steam it's actually only like 30 games it's not too bad which is not too bad but i think four or five of those are from like this year right okay so so that's even less it's even less and it's more doable if i like categorize it like you said so yeah really good thing to do i think i'm gonna start it after the show yeah i mean that's kind of what i was thinking right it's like if i you know as i say all the time if i was a vampire living infinitely in a basement somewhere i would play all these games but it's like uh you know i'm not and i just you know i have such limited time already so i really got to prioritize and so if I haven't gotten to it in 10 years, I'm probably not going to get to it. But if I played it this year and it's new and it's current and I liked it, 
I should probably prioritize that. So yep. we'll see. I'm, right. regist- thanks I'm again. registering for backlogged. All right. right. I'm going to do it after the show. And, and thanks to Lelena for number one for donating, but also for the suggestion of backlog. I'm going to check it out as well. That's yeah. All right, that is all the housekeeping we've got. Anything final, Carlos? Are you good no, to go? No, let's get into some games. Let's get into the games. All right, I'm going to break from tradition because we have like an odd number of games this time around. Uh, big show, but I'm going to start off myself instead of kicking it to you, Carlos. Hope you don't mind. Oh, go, you go ahead. Since I'm already doing it anyway. Go anyway. ahead. Okay, be, be my Be my guest. All right, all right. So I think I'm going to start off with a Tower Princess for the Switch. This is a pretty cool one, and I... I mean, spoiler, I ended up not liking it, but I feel like it's such potential. I feel like if they did like a 2.0, it would be pretty cool. This is a third-person action game that's also a roguelike. The basic premise is you're a knight. Uh, There are six princesses that are trapped in a giant castle, and you need to rescue them all before going up against the final dragon who is behind it all. Um, Action-y, adventure-y, platform-y. I've heard people kind of describe it as like Souls-like combat and bro this ain't it this is not it it's just it's just kind of a hack and slash you dodge you you, sw- you swing your sword um that kind of thing so it's very basic combat but it's it's okay like it's not it's not bad um you also have a roguelike element in that sometimes the dungeons uh, will change if you die and also every time you die you get to choose from two new characters so like you start off with your basic knight you die the next guy might be a gunner and the other guy might be an axe person. And then like you pick one of those and then you die. And then the next person might be a pikeman and the next one will be, you know, like whatever. It's kind of like um, Rogue Legacy a little bit in how when you die, you have to choose a new class. Mm. So I think that's pretty cool. I dig that a lot. Another really cool thing about this game that I think is great is when you finally unlock a princess and you unlock one like basically right off the bat, um, she goes with you. You rescue her and then she wants to go with you on the rest of the adventure and she uh, has a magic power. So like every princess will have a different magic power. The first one has a bag of like sand or something. And you can pick an enemy and say, Hey princess. And she'll throw it. And it'll like knock that person out for like five seconds. So it's like a little stun that she can do Mm. super useful. And it's really fun. It's really neat. Um, So I love the idea of this, like changing castle, new characters, princess, you know, ride or die with you. Like this is all really, really cool. And I like it a lot. Um, The problem is, it's just really, really rough. It needs a lot of polishing. It needs a lot of rebalancing. Um, the combat is nowhere near tight enough. And I got to say, this game is brutally hard. Um, really, really hard. I can see that there's a skill tree where you like up your stats and you will up your attack and stuff like that. But getting the resources is like, oh my god, it's like squeezing blood from a stone. Like It's so few resources. I did multiple runs with nothing to show for it, like no advancement. Ugh, I didn't unlock gross. anything. Yeah, you know, and it's like if it was if it was something like Rogue Legacy, and um, they're not direct comparisons, but I think it's it's good in the sense of Rogue Legacy is something we talked about recently, and it's a game where even if you do a really bad run, you always get a couple bucks or you get a new item or like you get something that it doesn't feel totally bad. But in Tower Princess, I did so many runs where I made like zero progress. That it was really discouraging. And on top of that, just because the combat was so hard, because it doesn't feel so tuned, um, it just it just did not encourage me to stay in it because uh, I just don't think it's quite there yet. But I love the concept. Um, I think it's a great concept. I think the idea, totally in the right place. Like, if they fixed this up, tuned it up, made it tight, made it hum, this would be an amazing roguelike to add to the genre. I would totally play more of this. I want to play more of this. But I'm not going to play a game that feels as janky as this, especially when the stakes are so high. So, unfortunately, 
Um, great, great idea. I would really encourage the devs to either tighten this up or do a 2.0. Um, but in its current state, it is it is just too rough. Two things from that. One, uh, you know, the number one thing for me to to enjoy a roguelike, especially nowadays, is yeah. that permanence. And so if it's yes. not there, I'm running away backwards, Homer Simpson in the bushes. But the other thing is, um, yeah, I wonder if we should keep a running list almost like backlogged for all the games you say on the show that that just needs to tighten it up a little bit yeah. or do a 2.0. Because I wonder, I'm guessing like 10% of them are actually going to retool it in any Barely way. Barely any. Right? Yeah, probably not. But it would be interesting because I feel like you say that almost every episode. I mean, it's true, man. Like I just see these folks and I'm like, man, you guys came so close. Yeah. You know, and they just for whatever reason. So anyway. All right. That was Tower Princess. It's a really man. I want to love it and I just don't. But I really want to love it. Anyway, moving on over to you, Carlos, for. Come on, come on, come on. You got it. Oh, man, I'm choking. I'm choking. Asteragos. Asteragos. Okay, man, Jen. Oh, that was so close. Asteragos, Curse of the Stars. Thank you. Asteragos, Curse of the Stars. There's like 19 different ways to pronounce that, and I just froze. My bad, my bad. It's okay. We got a preview code for this, so thank you to the publisher for that. And just to be super, super uber clear, we are talking about Asteragos in a preview sense. This is just quick look overall feeling carlos is the one that dove in so i'm very excited to hear what he has to say but this is to be clear a preview sense preview all right carlos take it away my friend yeah so there's a bunch of previews on the youtubes um but here's my uh thought because you know me i'm an action rpg person you are i am it's like my middle name um so that's what this is and i will give you some ideas of you know first impressions no review but just impressions and what this game is itself uh, third person game it's very similar to that phoenix uh immortal phoenix rising or whatever immortal phoenix the one from ubisoft yeah immortals phoenix rising rising it has that feel to it right like kind of a cartoony almost uh, oh okay, look, okay right third person action adventure rpg um mixed with souls like though which I mean, is what is it mixed with souls like these days? Man? Nowadays, I know. It's like um, everything. I don't think it 100% uh, has to be in every game, but I can see how it works in this one. Um, it, I think it really enhances the idea of what they're trying to do, which is tell a story, but also have something that's it's challenging, right? Like it's not just going to be a walk in the park, you hit A and move on. Right, so right, right. I, I think it's just kind of like adding to the, the difficulty of the game. Um, now, in the beginning, though, there is also story uh, mode, regular mode, and like hard mode. So they even give you that option. Okay, good. Which I, I don't options. know if did I don't know if Immortals: Phoenix Rising did that or not. I can't recall. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the images on YouTube. This is a very attractive looking game. It looks very cute. I didn't realize I, for some reason I had my wires crossed and I thought we were talking about a different game. But now that I'm looking at it. Uh, yeah, I think that is a great call. That it does look like um, that one we're talking about. Immortals. Yeah, yeah. Immortals. And it's beautiful. Um, and it's again, it has its own style, which is just kind of like, I don't want to say cartoony, because some of them are really, you know, cool looking characters as well. Yeah. But anyways, you play Hilda, uh, a young, brave warrior woman, uh, and you're pretty much just going to try to figure out this mystery of this town, uh, this really big city that has a curse on it, where everybody is kind of like cursed by this magic. And they have to eat magic, by the way. So they eat magic. Yeah, Where do you get it? They can't eat food anymore. Well, they can eat food, but they have to put magic in the food oh, because the food does okay. nothing to them. Um, it's just a really weird, interesting story that you've got to 
unravel and I won't go too much into it, but you are the, you know, action RPG, third person Hilda warrior woman. You have a bunch of different weapons, similar to a souls game or something where you can pick the ones you like. Right. But what I think is great is you can uh, equip two at the same time and they're mapped to different trigger buttons. Meaning like I have daggers and, um, a spear. Okay. And so on my PlayStation, I have L1 R1 is one weapon. L2 R2. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Light and heavy. Uh, or even like sometimes they're just like different types of things. Like one's more of a parry on one of the weapons. But the point is I have both weapons at the ready. So I'm not like switching weapons. So I think that's a really unique thing, I think. I don't know. I, I like that, that I can have two weapons always ready. Yeah, that sounds cool. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. And then one of the things that I like a lot, um, again, this is just kind of in a, in a preview sense, but the ability to have one of the weapons, which is the daggers, it has a dodge move. So it's like an attack, but it's like a dodge. So okay. you know me and dodges. I like to have a dodge on hand. You have a little bit of a dodge roll yourself, but then you can have other dodges attached to weapons, if that makes sense. Yes. So that's all really cool. And um, yeah, in general, I think the thing that the takeaway for the preview and definitely for people who are thinking about buying it is that um, and I won't go as far as some of the, the reviewers are, are doing on YouTube, but there is decisions to be made in this game. Like storyline decisions, you mean? Storyline decisions, but also, you know, it feels like in these kind of games, action RPG, you should just go kill everything. <clears throat> but... I'm telling you in a preview sense that you shouldn't sometimes. Oh, okay. And so I think that's really cool that I wasn't expecting um, some of the changes or things that could happen by your decisions. And so this has more decision-making than you would think that actually affects the game. Let me ask, okay, so let me ask you in a total non-spoilery preview sense here. Uh, this is the first I'm hearing about this because I have not watched any any preview or anything like that. I know there's a few out there, um, but this is the first I'm hearing about it. So are you saying in a preview sense, non-spoilery that if you kill or don't kill somebody, that'll affect the story, but does the game let you know that? Like, is there ever a point at which they surface very clearly, Hey, maybe I shouldn't kill this guy. Or is it totally just like one of those organic, like, Oh, I just happened to not kill this guy. And then something happened. Like, do they, do they tell you, or is it kind of like a secret? Sort of I thing? can, I can tell you one example. Cause it's the first example of it which again, got me excited to want to, you know, pick up this game. So I think this is okay in the preview sense. But like in the very beginning, you're talking to people, I'll be very vague, and they say, hey, you should go like, try to work out a deal with this other person. Ooh, this is fun. I'm doing things without saying any. <laughs> saying things without vague, saying yeah. anything, yes. Um, and so you're like, okay. And then you just kind of like file that in the back of your head because you're like, it's an action RPG. I'm going to go kill things now. But then when you actually meet a bunch of, uh, monsters, you can say monsters and stuff, and bad bad people or whatever. Sure. And you're sure. you're killing things all left and right. And then there's like bosses, and there's like mid bosses. But there's a certain boss that you meet that if you do take out that boss, it changes the story. So no, they didn't like they don't go. Hey, remember, remember, you're supposed to work out a deal. You just like have to remember. So, okay. So, but they but they do like someone mentioned it or something yeah, because I know that yeah. there are certain games where. I have played games in the past where they don't say anything, right? It's just like you're going through, you're killing guys or whatever. You're playing the game like as normal. And then like you read an FAQ and it's like, oh, but if you didn't kill so-and-so, they'd be around to help you in this other thing. And I'm like, well, I didn't know that. Like I had no idea. But but they do mention something. Like it's not just totally a secret. Yeah, I mean this this game feels like a story adventure game at heart, right? Like it feels like it's an adventure game. 
And then they happen to put in the Souls-like stuff in there, which, again, I think makes sense so far. I'm not, like, taken aback by it too much, right? It, it, it seems like it fits the game. Okay. Um, but those decision things, yeah, they aren't explicitly spelled out, but it's also really cool in a preview sense to tell people about it because I think it does, you know, differentiate the game from just a uh, a game like Immortals Phoenix Rising, which I didn't really, uh, I didn't finish it. And I didn't, I don't, I didn't see like the benefit of just running around getting a bunch of stuff, you know, yeah. it's very much a collect-a-thon, I think, game. Yeah, I think that was very focused on if you want to just engage in a physical gameplay experience. I know there was a story, but I just, I... I agree with you. I wanted more um, significance to it, and it just felt like a lot of stuff to do because you needed stuff to do, and I yeah. don't like those kind of games. So, and this one, this you're... will have more of a. Oh yeah, a this one's this one's like immediately like there's a little bit of like class system stuff going on too, right? So I'm like immediately like society class. You mean? Yeah, like interested okay. in like this city, which is you know the city's got this curse on it, and because of that curse, a bunch gotcha. of other stuff you know comes out of it. So gotcha, gotcha. Anyways, I, I'm just really interested. I'm gonna keep playing it, and then once. I can talk about it fully. I will in this podcast. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I think um, I don't have the information in front of me, but I think that maybe by next week we can talk about it. I'll double check that. Don't okay. uh, don't take my word on that. But we will talk about it in a in a full sense uh, very soon. And this sounds interesting. So maybe I will see if I can get a hold of it and maybe I can play it as well. We'll see. Uh, but it sounds good. It sounds interesting so far. I love the way it looks. Check it out in the images on Google or whatever. It looks very colorful and beautiful. So. Yeah, Asteragos. And I'm really excited to see what my last decision means <laughs> for the for the for the rest of the game. All right, there we go. That was Asteragos Curse of the Stars preview sense. You're playing it where? PS5? PS5. All right, excellent, excellent. Let me talk for a minute about Wayward Strand, uh, which I believe is on Game Pass right now, I think. Or maybe oh, it's I not. just saw it. Yeah. I was is it on Game Pass? Am I right? I think so. I'm going to double check. I think it is. This is a very interesting narrative game. I believe it's from Australia because the people have Australian accents, and I believe that the funding, some of it was from Australia. This is super interesting and original and very cool. Um, the basic premise of the game is a 2D, hand-drawn game, kind of a point-and-click narrative-based game. Uh, you, most of the time you're talking to people. What this is is you play a girl who is a young, I don't know, young teenager, 12 or something like that. She's going to work with her mom. Her mom is a nurse, and her mom, <laughs> her, she works on an airship. So, like, there's a little bit of, like, you know, magical realism going on here, like fantasy element. Mm. Uh, the nurse works on an airship, and the airship is a nursing home for old folks. So, like, you drive up to this dock. You go up this gondola up into the sky. There's a giant, cool-ass-looking airship in the sky. And it's a nursing home, which is so weird and bizarre. Weird. Okay. So you go to the nursing home. Your mom's like, okay, dear, I'm really busy. I need you to help me out this week. And your job is to simply keep the old folks company. That is your quest. Keep these old folks company. That's all you're doing. Sounds completely bonkers, right? I mean, I don't know that I've ever played a game like this before, but very interesting. I was like, okay, I'm, I mean, this is something I've certainly never had to do before. I'm definitely in. And what it ends up breaking down to be is like a whole bunch of folks. The, the airship has three floors, top, middle, bottom, and you can walk around wherever you want and just talk to whoever you like. And the people have their own schedules. And sometimes they're in the room. Sometimes they're in like the, the cafeteria. Sometimes they're in the dance floor or whatever, whatever there, you know, there's all these little, little locations. It's not a huge place, but there's plenty of places to go. And whoever you meet, you can just chat them up and be like, Hey, I'm so-and-so. And what, what, what's your story, old person? And they tell you their story and you can ask them questions. And every time you talk to somebody, they get written down in your little notebook. And so you can, if you can ask other people about those people you've already met before. 
So like, uh, there's like this nurse that quit under mysterious circumstances. And so you can ask all the different people, well, what happened to that nurse? And then maybe they know something, maybe they don't. And maybe they know something that like leads you down this different path. Like there's this one lady who says she's trying to unravel something about a goat. And then this other guy knows a lot about the history of the ship. And you can ask like all these different narrative threads. Um, apparently the game takes about three or four hours to finish and there's multiple paths through. So you can like ignore certain people and talk to these other people and it'll have a totally different gameplay experience which is really neat and cool i love the the graphics they're hand-drawn graphics very attractive very cool and quaint looking that's definitely a thumbs up premise is like a 10 out of 10 i mean like nursing home in the sky on an airship that's fucking awesome i'm very i'm very interested in that right but why and is there I, a butt coming a huge butt a really oh. big butt because here's what happened here's what happened i'm playing the game right it's on um, on xbox i'm playing the game i'm like oh this is cool talking chatting these people up this is fun uh, I got to go do so. I got to make dinner, right? So the wife is like, hey, I need some help with dinner. No problem. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to save. I go to the save menu and it's like, oh, if you hit, if you exit the game now, you're going to lose any save, unsaved progress in this chapter. And I'm like, fuck, okay, okay. I got to walk around until I trigger like an autosave, right? So I walk around, I go to a different room. And then finally I see this little um, icon pop up in the corners, like a pencil or something, you know, flashes. I'm like, okay, cool. That's the autosave icon. Because that's what every game does these days, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I see the pencil, pops up, it goes away. I'm like, okay, cool. Shut it off. Help make dinner. Blah, blah, blah. Come back. Starting from fucking scratch. Not a thing got saved. And I'm like, what the hell? And I, I go back. I mean, I was probably for, I was 40, 45 minutes deep by that point. Jeez, right? I, yeah. I talked to a lot of people. I go online, and literally every review is the save, the save system sucks in this game. You got to play... A whole chapter, which could be as long as an hour, right? You got to just, you got to power through an hour. I didn't know that going in. And I'm not sure I would have even had an hour to begin with, because like I said, I was trying to play before dinner, but like, I've got a, I've got a kid. I, I have sometimes emergency jobs that pop up that are real life, not game related. I have a wife who sometimes need me to help with dinner. Like, you know, I've got responsibilities and shit. And sometimes something urgent comes in, I get a phone call or whatever. Sometimes I need to step away from my game and like, I cannot play a game where I need to have one hour uninterrupted. I'm sure that is no big deal for some people, right? Like some people can play all day and that's fine. Mm -hmm. Some people have multiple hours. That's fine too. But for me in my life right now, I, I get interrupted a lot and I need to, to be able to walk away from a game and come back to it. Yeah, but wait, where were you playing it on? Xbox. So couldn't you, what I do on PS5 all the time is I just go into rest mode. I mean, possibly that's not my habit because I usually get some glitches and bugs when that happens. I, oh. I, I have bad experiences. But let's just time. real quick tangent because I yeah. do play PlayStation more than Xbox. Yeah. And um, I, I literally, oh man, I, there's a clip on YouTube right now about me saying literally. Uh, my buddy called me out on it on a podcast. It's literally, but I say literally. Did you even notice that? Oh yeah, but everybody pronounces it their own way. I just okay. Like, whatever. He just called me out. Anyway, so I literally... Um, use rest mode every day every day really man i never use it i don't like oh that. my goodness like literally oh now i just said it normally um if if i'm playing especially rpgs and things like that yeah i save it i i also kind of like just know that a lot of games don't have a lot of great save points so it's just normal for me to go to rest mode and i don't know speaking highly of playstation maybe again but it's never broken like I've always uh, that, been that able is not to true. come back to my. That's not true. I've had I've had several bad experiences with both Xbox and PlayStation. I'm saying you have. I'm telling you. I mean, for it's 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 never broken for you, which I which I fully believe. Yeah, it it hasn't. I mean, I feel like I thought it would, you know, because I go, oh, I don't know if I trust rest mode, but once I started using it, I, I, that's how I pause games now. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm trying to save electricity. It's like I, if I'll come back to it when I come back to it. I don't know how long it's going to be, and I have had several games on both systems. 
The only one that doesn't fail me is Switch. Switch is fine because I can put it in sleep mode. That's no problem. Uh, that's solid. Mm. But both PS and Xbox have fucked up games for me. Huh, and I just, I can't stand it. So I don't oh. do rest mode ever again. You uh, do I have demons though in your machine. I do. So. I am possessed. But anyway, bottom line is I thought this game was cool. I really wanted to finish it. I mean, three, four hours. That's totally within my ballpark of being able to finish something. And I liked it. But that was a real kick in the nuts mm. to lose 45 minutes of progress and have to go through all those conversations again. I was like, no, no, no. So I, I bitched about this on Twitter. And of course, the developer saw it because that's what happens on Twitter. <laughs> and they came back and they're, you know, I, I don't know this person at all. I'm sure they're a lovely person. This is nothing personal whatsoever. And they're like, yeah, so, you know, I'm an indie developer. It's my first time game. I'm doing, I'm doing my best. And I'm going to try to get this in there ASAP. And I'm like, cool, that's cool. Like, no disrespect. I mean, much love. I'm, you did a great job on this game so far. But like real talk, and this is not addressed to anybody specifically, saving is so fucking basic right now in a game. Like if you don't have the save down, you work on the save before you do the rest of the game. Because I just like, it just, that was so demoralizing and dispiriting that I just, I, I deleted the game right after that. I'm not coming back to it. Yeah. Um, and he's, you know, they said, uh, I'm going to get that in there. And I'm like, cool. If you get it in there, like a decent save, I will come back. I will play this game again. Um, but like, just, just for everybody listening, if you have a game that requires a save, please lock your save down first. Get that done first. And then once your save is working, that's just like the foundation of your game, right? That's like the the, the concrete slab that you build your house on. If you don't have a save, like do not build the rest of the house. Do not proceed, right? I so. will I will do a little bit of um, defending of the position of the developer for one thing, because as I remember when I code games, sure. uh, the only thing that happens weird is like, an RPG, which I'll talk about later, um, you know, lots of times can be easier. And the fact that you're on a map and you're, you know, there's not a lot of story cutscenes. You're just kind of like sure. killing things. It can do a save state pretty easily because it's just a map and your items and what what's what's going on right now. In sure, the sure, sure. But in story-driven games, I think it's a little more difficult because there is those choices that are happening. And I know that sounds like a cop out, or like it it should be just as easy. But I think there might be something to that. And the fact of like branching stuff and when things are saved, like creating a save state before the other decision has been made won't work sometimes. I don't know. I, I don't know anything about that. I am not a developer. I fully admit I am not a developer. Well, but I, what I will say yeah. is that I have been playing games for, you know, 40 plus years. This year alone, I have played 215 games. And of those 215 games, uh, almost none of them have had a problem saving. So I, you know, save is just basic. I'm not going to say it's hard or easy or whatever, but like, it's just not a problem in general these days. Yeah. So to meet a game where it is a problem was very disappointing. So anyway, again, not to, not to call this developer out. I'm sure they're a lovely person. And I, I really like what I saw so far. Good stuff. If they fix it, I absolutely will come back to it and I will report back. So, uh, that's my only, my only, my only bummer, man. But if you've got an hour straight and you can, and you're interested in narrative games and you like nursing homes and you like airships, this <laughs> you is your like fucking game. Homes. This is for you. Yeah. Also, when you said it, and it seems cool, so people should check it out. Yeah, it seems um, very cool. It when you first said the premise, I thought of like being in the uh what was the like a retirement home for the uh, old people in the Simpsons to like oh, talk yeah. to Abe Abe Simpson and stuff like that. And that <laughs> that guy who's like always yelling at the uh nurse and stuff and Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Good stuff. It's good stuff, but it just needs a better save system. So there we go. Um, let me talk about one more game. I'll turn it over to you in a second here. Let's talk about Railgrade. Um, this is a very surprising title to me. I have played a lot of train games this year. Um, I could not name them to you because they are very forgettable. But I like the idea of playing a train game. 
And I don't mean like ride a train, like, not like train sim or anything like that. I don't want to ride the rails myself, but like the idea of building a system, setting up a little trains, you know, schedules and like moving things back and forth. I don't know. Something about that is appealing to me. I mean, maybe it's a holdover from when I'm a kid. I think most kids love trains. I mean, that's a pretty common thing. Well, and Railroad Tycoon and all those sure, tycoon games. all those tycoon games, that yeah. kind of stuff. I don't play many of those. Um, but just something about the idea. I'm waiting for one to click with me, right? And I just haven't found one. But I think Railgrade is the one that's going to finally click um, because it's not just one of those games. It's a little complicated to explain, but basically um, it starts really good. And the very first thing it did to me was uh, say that it's sci-fi, which I had no idea about. You look at the trailers, you don't really get a sense that it's sci-fi. But once you play the game, it's like, oh, we're going to a faraway solar system. We're on a brand new planet. We're on a whole new environment. I'm like, okay, cool. Interesting. That's very, that's very cool. Uh, so you start the game and you are like the person who knows trains. You are the, the train expert and they're like, Hey man, or woman, or, you know, whatever, non-binary person. Hey, Hey person. Uh, we're in this new planet and we fuck shit up because no one knows how to run a fucking train system. So we need your help. And you are the train expert. So each level in this game, there's many, I think there's like probably like 40 levels. It's a lot of content is a chunk of the alien landscape with a couple features on it. And it's your job to figure out how the fuck to make it work because you are the train administrator. So, for example, you get to this new planet. Ah, oh, we're running out of oil. We're running out of electricity. We're running out of juice. we got to keep the generators running and we're going to die. We need your help. There's uh, uh, an oil well, like, on one end of the map. There is an oil refinery on the other end of the map. There's rocks and stuff in between. And then there's also, like, uh, I don't know, a couple other features you got to get going you have a certain amount of money to start and you got to like figure your shit out. So it's kind of like a puzzle. It is a train sim because you do need to be able to figure out trains and get the trains running and set up a track, pick which kind of train ones on, runs on which track, et cetera, et cetera. But the real meat of gameplay is, okay, now I'm in this sector and they're fucked up in this way. We can't get the gas to the gas station. We can't get the electricity to the electricity station. We can't get the water to the water, like whatever, like whatever it is, they're having problems and you're the only person who can figure it out. And so it's also a puzzle and each level is pretty small. Uh, they are self-contained, and it's all just like one thing. Like they don't connect, right? So like if you fuck up puzzle one, it doesn't ruin puzzle two. Mm. Like it's not like one giant contiguous landscape, which some people have called out as a flaw. I think it's fine because I think going bit by bit is okay for me. It feels very bite-sized, and I like that feeling when I'm playing on the Switch, which is where I'm playing this. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, overall, I think the concept is great. I will say that even though this game is pretty complicated. They do a good job of approaching the content. Um, I think the tutorial um, is great most ways. There's one really bad part about it. I'll talk about it in a second. But in general, the tutorial is really great. Walks you through. I think the UI is really good for the Switch. Text would be a little bit bigger, but it's not terrible. Um, and I feel like the menu system is pretty well laid out. All the buttons are labeled clearly, so you don't have to remember anything. And I feel like just kind of doing things is very intuitive. Laying track. Uh, it's green if it works, red if it doesn't, so you get a sense right away if you, if you you can do what you're trying to do. You can stop the trains, you can uh, like move things around, you can change things at any point. So like this is all very good. It's, it's kind of like a puzzle game with trains in space, and that hmm. to me like checks all my boxes. It's pretty fucking cool. I know, and also I'm amazed that it's okay on the Switch screen because I saw it. it's on the Epic Game Store. Yes, it is. So yes. it's a PC game as well. So um, on the PC, again, it, it looks like it'd be amazing because it's it fits that form factor of simulation. But yes. you're saying it's 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 still you can see everything good on the Switch. 
And I think that's entirely due to the bite-sized nature of design, right? If this was a giant train sim, like a train tycoon where you've got, like, you're going from coast to coast or something, it totally wouldn't work. Right. But I think that because it's such bite-sized pieces, it totally makes it work. Now, I will say I have looked at um, the, the PC version. Of course, it looks better. Of course, it's probably a little bit more intuitive with a mouse and keyboard or whatever. Like, that, I mean, it, it, it's obviously made for a PC. And right now it is Epic Game Store exclusive. Yeah. Uh, but God, it's pretty fucking decent on the Switch, dude. Like, I actually don't really have any problems with it. It runs at a good clip. It, it's not bogged down. It's not It's not slow or laggy. I feel like the controls make sense. The UI makes sense. Like, flipping between the menus makes sense. It handles, like, really well. I mean, it could be a little bit bigger, but it's on the handheld. So, whatever. Not a big deal. But I'm getting a very satisfying experience out of it. And I like I like it in that sense, for sure. I think the, the key other takeaway for me is, um, you know, is that sci-fi element. Yeah, because I, I look, just looked at some of the pictures and stuff like that in the videos. But yeah, like there's like little robot people around too. There are, yeah. And so it's like you do that, and you already have me in a little bit, you know. Or, or I think people who like maybe weren't thinking about just playing a train simulator, but yeah, sci-fi giving you a little bit of a, a story back uh, backlog or whatever or back idea. I can't say the word. I'm background. Thinking of. Background. Yeah. yeah. Why can't yeah. I think of the word background? I don't know. Um, well, yeah, it seems cool. It's very good. So overall, this is like a big win. I really like this one a lot. I'm kind of surprised at how great it is. I just have a couple of um, couple of little issues with it. I think there are certain details that I feel like are very key, but maybe got glossed over a little bit in the tutorial. For example, um, very often something will happen during a level that you have to like react to. And I know this is, I don't want to get in the weeds too much, but basically there's there comes a point in the game where you, you need to figure out how to get one train to go left on a track and one train to go right on the same track. Like the train branches out like in a Y shape, right? And one train's got to go left, one, one train's got to go right. It took me a long time to figure out how to do that. And they talked about it in the tutorial, but I feel like it wasn't really well covered. So maybe, maybe that was me, but like little details like that, I feel like could be a little bit clearer. Um, to be fair, you do have a, a point in the game where you get to choose levels. So maybe I just chose the wrong level. Maybe I didn't choose a level that taught that lesson. I don't know, but small, small detail. I figured it out pretty well and that was okay. The only other drag that I have about this is there are completion states. You can get like an all the way up to an S rank and the S rank, uh, you know, every time you finish a level, it'll give you these coupons and you can use these coupons to get better tech that, that lasts the entire game. So for example, you can uh, get, save up five coupons from playing a level well and you buy the oil station upgrade so that it, it produces oil faster it holds more oil, so you have to do less train trips and ultimately, like, more efficient, right? So, like, you want to get these coupons. You want to upgrade all your shit because that's just what games do. I mean, you know, you want to do this. Um, and the thing that is a drag to me, and this is, again, a very minor drag, is that when you go back to the earlier levels, let's say I got, like, a C instead of an S or something, you have to go through the tutorial in that level as you play rather than just play the level. Like, I've already been through the level, uh, level tutorial for level two once. I know what you're going to say. I know what I need to do. I just want to execute better the next time. Oh. But you have to like go through the tutorial as you're playing it again. No, no, no. That doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, which is kind of yeah, it's a bummer. So like for example in level 2 or whatever, it's like you set up your little um, train track, you go to three oil stations and you're making your oil and then all of a sudden, "Oh no, we need water." When I came back to it, like I already know I need the water. I want to set up the water first because I know it's coming, but I can't. I have to go through the stages of doing the oil thing first, wait for the prompt and then do the water. But, you know, so uh, whatever. It's not a big deal and it's probably not going to be a problem for future levels. But like when I want to like when I want to like perfect all the early levels, it's a drag to have to go through the tutorials again. But again, small potatoes. Overall, Railgrade, I think is fucking awesome. I really like it. Trains plus sim plus management plus puzzle plus sci-fi. 
bite size, runs on the Switch. It's probably amazing on the Epic Store, but it's totally great on the Switch. This is a big thumbs up. It's a win for me. Check it out. Check it out. All right. Rail grade. Okay. Yesterday, I was on Twitter randomly, as I am, mm-hmm. checking things out. And I saw this strange game come across my feed. And I'm like, of course, when I see a strange game like this, what's the first thing I think of? Me. Carlos. That's right. <laughs> I saw this game come across called Weird RPG. Mm-hmm. And immediately, I'm like, I got to tell Carlos about this right now. And so I tagged you into that feed, and I uh, I sent you a DM, and I guess you checked it out. Is, is that what we're talking about right now? We are. Literally, my reply was like downloading, uh. <laughs> downloading dot dot dot. Um, yeah, I mean anything that's RPG, but also you call something a weird RPG. I'm in in, and uh, it's Chinese uh, from a Chinese developer. I don't know if it's his first game or their first game. Uh, I'm not sure, but it's just uh, you know one name on the Steam page, so. Okay. We're just going to assume this is their first game, maybe. Uh, it does feel like, um, you know, I don't want to say not finished, but it's just very basic, right? Um, sure. Very simple, simple game. But I was just excited because I saw some of the screenshots before I downloaded it, and some look like, you know, three-quarters view, action RPG, kind of little character, right, running around doing dodge rolls. But then at some point, you see some screenshots of, like, the woods and monsters, and then, the, then you see some screenshots of a city, like a modern day city. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm like, that makes it a weird RPG. So I haven't got to that stage yet, but I, I saw those and I'm like, I'm in. And plus, of course, you know, dodge rolls. And they say uh, the definition of the game or the bio is influenced by Sekiro and Hades. <laughs> wow. Right? Okay. Which That's makes crazy. sense because like kind of twitch like action game play fast, you know, had to be good reactive. And then Hades, because it's kind of, it's not roguelike, but it's like, it's that look and feel of like yeah, three quarters yeah, yeah. view style. Um, and then it also says the combat mode mainly relies on tumbling. Some of the English translation is, I is love, pretty rough. That's, that's awesome. It's I awesome. love a game that relies on tumbling. tumbling. That's amazing. Uh, to avoid the enemy's attack and find opportunities to counterattack between the enemy's attacks. See what I'm saying? It's not 100% translated well, because again, it's a Chinese game. Uh, and by the way, the, the name of the game is Chinese characters and then um, English RPG, like the letters RPG, right? Oh, so you're saying the text is actually, it is like In literally Chinese, right? Chinese so te- I okay, translated gotcha, gotcha. it, and right. it isn't weird RPG. It's strange RPG. Strange RPG, weird In RPG? Chi- from Chinese, yeah. So from Chinese, it's strange RPG. I don't know where someone got weird RPG. Or is it, do they call it weird RPG on Steam? I believe it was called Weird RPG on Steam. Okay, yes. well I then think so. wrong. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. <laughs> anyway, so Strange RPG, which I uh, I'm now going to talk about for a second. Yeah, I downloaded it. I played it all morning, so I just played it today. But I played it for two hours straight. Wow. Um, okay. Because I'm a person who loves an action RPG with a dodge roll. So it is in the Sekiro sense because it's you have a roll, and if you do a perfect roll, which I love rolls. I, I'm sorry, tumbling. If you tumble the right way. Perfect tumble. Perfect tumble. You hear a little clink sound. And that means the enemy didn't do shit to you. Okay. So like you you iframe through you it. You iframe. And, and you know, it's again, kind of in that Sekiro sense, like it's got to be perfect timing. But for some reason, because I've been playing action RPGs so much lately and also the, my whole life, I'm like excellent at it. Like I was like surprising myself. I was like, maybe I should go back and play Sekiro because oh, Jesus. I mean, I won't. But um, I was just like fucking perfect tumbling 
all over the place, okay? Wow, okay. And so it was like, there's a few games that do this. I think Trials of Mana did it for me, where it feels like you get in a flow state if, if, if the developer has done it right. Yes. So yes. all the assets, all the story, everything's bare bones, right? So don't, this is not like a campaign. This is like, this guy made um, a real quick game with some basic assets. Uh, you go and talk to people in the town. They're like, yeah, there's problems with monsters. Go figure it out. You know, <laughs> um, the, the, the shop people are like, yeah, I can give you some stuff you might want to buy. <laughs> That's it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. There's weirdly like some physics though in the town. So I'm like knocking things all over the place. So it feels like kind of bare bones that way, but the combat's so fucking fun. And then, you know, there's a couple of special moves uh, similar to other Souls games or whatever. You can pick the weapon you want and then, you know, upgrade on that weapon. So I picked the spear. I'm a big spear person nowadays. Um, And there's a lot of through lines with my reviews this episode. You'll see spears and ghosts and and, uh, things like that. Anyway, so I got the spear and then... Uh, upgraded that you uh, get random drops as well right so like loots everywhere you might find better stuff than you can buy that kind of thing and yeah you just kind of go through areas go to new areas save you can save all the time right like anytime any second i love a good save have we mentioned that? oh that's right the save's gonna come back too you literally go to spring back literally uh, and you go to the menu and you go save and it goes saved it's like the Dude, fastest saved in the world. That is dope. Props, props to this person. Right, I love a good save. It's like a, it's like a super save, like a super fast save, and then uh, so everything's fast. Like I go right back to the action. I'm killing people, dodging, perfect dodging. There's bosses. Um, I took out every boss I've found so far, like with ease. I'm like, and it's like hard. It's not like an easy game. It's like they're really hard, and there's a lot of uh, life bar. But I, I, I'm just really connecting with the with the combat so well. So I really enjoy this game. It's super bare bones. Uh, I'm excited to get to the new stages because right now it's just like you're in a weird RPG town, right? And go fight monsters in the forest. Yeah. And there's yeah. bandits and stuff like that. So, But to see the screenshots of going to modern day, that's when it gets strange, I guess. Uh, I mean, this is bizarre, dude, because what – like nothing of what you said was what I was expecting after seeing the screenshots of this. So it is double weird for me because I was expecting you to describe something entirely different. And now you're talking about like the dodge rolling and the combat and it's kind of blowing my mind a little bit. So I definitely want to uh, check this out a little bit more. I mean, this is, this is absolutely strange. I mean, well-named perfect name. Yeah. It seems. Yeah. Well, and also I think it just kind of shows like, you know, where I'm at with action RPGs. Like I just, I feel like I feel proud, and we'll talk about this actually on the, another game I'm going to talk about later. But I feel proud when I can like I don't know do well at a game that I enjoy. I don't know how to to word this, but like I mean that makes sense, sure. You know, like because it's like I, I'm already enjoying the world. I, I know what it is. I, I don't like when I play a game and I'm enjoying the world and I like the role and I like the combat, and then I suck or or like or I feel like there's a cheap thing with like enemies. Right. Or like they just it's all development. Like they just do something that makes me feel bad. Uh, But this one's like it keeps rewarding me for being like, you know, in the flow state. And so it just you just I never want to stop playing. Like it's like the combat just feels so fun. And it's it's really a testament to what game gameplay can do in absence of story or other stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like this could be a sandbox of me just going and killing dudes and monsters and i would do it 
Um, but it's a little more than that because it's got some strangeness to it. So I, I really like it. I've upgraded my character. I'll play it more today. I think everybody should check it out. It's called Weird RPG on Steam. Uh, it's actually Strange RPG. And yeah, it's a weird thing, but I like it. But for people who want to find it on Steam, like if they, mm. I want to make sure we get the name right because right. this might not be an easy one to find. If they go to Steam and enter Weird RPG in the search, that's what comes up, right? Yeah, let me triple check because I don't want to get this wrong. Uh, I'm going to Twitter because that's where we talked about it. And Steam page now, and it's kanji and then RPG. So it's kanji characters and RPG, but. Oh, you know what? I don't think you can search weird RPG. What did you? Oh, did you I, just I find it through the, the Twitter link? Characters, yeah. I used. Oh the, so man! I copy and pasted, uh, in from Twitter, kanji RPG. You know, like the characters. Right, right, right. The, the characters, and that um, actually got it. Got me it. So I don't gosh. know. Okay, I don't know either. And if it's Chinese, then it's probably not kanji. It's probably the Chinese. Oh, what am I doing? I'm Why? Sure. I said kanji a bunch of times. I'm sorry. Um. I don't know what you'd call the, the Chinese script, so I guess we'll have to plead ignorance on that one. Um, but okay, so I guess what we can do, um, I know I always forget to put stuff in the show notes, but maybe I will try to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a note to put something in the note. I'm going to add add to show notes, Brad. And if anybody wants to try this out, and it sounds like you should, um, I will do my very best to try to remember to put this in the show notes. And you can look it up that way. And if I forget, which is very possible, hit us up on Twitter and we'll try to hook you up with this game because it seems like it's worth your time. Hold on one second. I have one more thing to add to this because it's an interesting okay. thing. Yeah, yeah. Characters. I think kanji is still... I think Chinese characters can still be kanji. I think I'm not I wrong. I don't, I don't know if that's true. I have no idea. I, I think, think, so. I, think I, I might be right. Chinese I, characters. Someone will correct us, I am sure. Okay, I think I may be right because there's Hanzi and there's kanji. Uh, it might be Hanzi, I'm sorry. But anyways, uh, actually another translation for it, mm -hmm. uh, those characters, is grotesque. Grotesque RPG? Yeah, weird or grotesque. So I think that's really funny. Anyway, they got to nail it down, otherwise they're never gonna be, no one's going to find it, man. you got to nail down your title. So we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out for people. All right. Let me talk for a hot second about Mozart Requiem. Have you heard of this one? Probably not, huh? I did. I hear about all games. Okay. Um, and so I saw it in a screenshot somewhere, and I forgot what I read about it. But go ahead and please illuminate. So, okay, I I meant to look this up before the show, and as anybody who listens to the show regularly knows, we forget to do our research. I totally forgot. But basically, this is it looks like a really old game. I want to say it's even like a PS One game, possibly maybe like early PS Two. Really? Oh, that was I mean, a new game. I, that's what I thought too. But as I'm playing it, I'm like, oh, this is actually really, really old feeling. Um, and I did a quick scan around online, and I saw a lot of people complaining about this being a very old game that they were tricked into. Uh, so I okay, so I guess I just didn't understand number one that this was an old game, and number two, I didn't realize it was a point and click. I thought it was going to be more of an RPG uh, because the, this game is kind of described as Mozart, uh, the famous tune writing guy from back in the day, um, trying to solve problems in like Prague or something, and it had kind of like a, a period feel to it, and I figured oh, okay, I'm going to be going around. Maybe there's some RPG battles. Maybe he uses music or something. I don't know. Like, you know, I took a quick scan and it just seemed like like more of an RPG type game. Um, but it is not. It is a point and click game. And it is an old school point and click game of the kind that I cannot stand. Oh, geez. So it's really old and just really, really clunky. Um, and to be perfectly honest with you, I did not make it past the first room. That's how difficult uh, I had a time with. So here's what happens. You wake up as Mozart. Like there's a little cutscene, and Mozart's like, 
man, shit's going down in Prague, and I got to get to the bottom of this because uh, bad stuff's happening. And it was really vague. It's just like some dudes are, I don't know, doing something, and the king is going to war or whatever. <laughs> it was kind of just vague. You know, your, your usual back-in-the-day problems. And so you wake up, <laughs> and this this is like a perfect encapsulation of what I hate about point-and-click games. Mozart wakes up, and he's like, God damn, I'm sleepy. I'm still sleepy. I need a cup of coffee. And I'm like, I don't want to make a cup of coffee. Let us... Let us proceed with the adventure, sir. He's like, I'm too sleepy. I can't leave my room. I'm like, God damn it. Okay, fine. So, like, you look around the room, and there's, like, a fireplace, and there's a metal hook, and there's a pot, and there's a ladle, and there's a jug of water, and then there's coffee beans. And I'm like, so you go around, and, like, there's no hot spots, right? So, like, I think a lot of modern point and clicks, you push a button. It just shows you on the screen everything you can interact with. And I love it when they do that because it just saves you time. There's no hot spot indicator. So, I'm like, I'm doing that little thing with the mouse with the mouse, with my joystick where I'm like, scroll over everything uh, what can yeah. i interact with yeah. and nothing has a little shiny to it nothing stands out like it all just looks like you're just in this room and i'm like okay so i scroll over a bunch of stuff find the things and i'm like okay i gotta make some fucking coffee not okay but it's not a coffee maker i don't i'm not really sure how they made coffee back in the day right so i'm like water pot like i'm i'm just randomly clicking on things trying to figure out like in what order i'm supposed to make this coffee and I could not find an FAQ online. I, I looked for an FAQ almost immediately, which is a bad sign for me. And I just, I couldn't find one. So I, I'm like, okay, pot. Okay, metal hook, metal hook in the fireplace. Then the pot, then the water. No, the water, then the pot, then the pot in the thing. And then the coffee goes where? It goes here. And I got as far as boiling the coffee. And then I couldn't figure out how to drink it. So I got frustrated with that. I'm like, okay, fuck it. Maybe there's, maybe I'm missing something. And it took me like probably 25 minutes before I realized there was a second part to the room I was in because I hadn't moused over the right section to show that there was another part I could go to. It just you just couldn't see it. Right. Like I was like, oh, I didn't realize I could go over here because I didn't see the little footsteps icon because my mouse wasn't in the right place. So I finally get into the section of this room. I'm like, OK, well, the thing I need coffee cup, mug, anything. Couldn't find that. It's dark. And, and, and Mozart's like, it's real dark in this hallway. I can't keep going. And I'm like bitch i can see there's a door right there please don't nope can't do it too dark but i find a candle and i find a candle holder you'd think this would be a slam dunk candle and candle holder right you yeah. would think oh yeah could not put the candle on the candle holder and i'm like what, what? is going on you can't make I coffee have... you can't drink coffee you can't put a you can't light the candle and i'm like okay forget it like i just like if I can't get out of this first room, I have no hope for the rest of this game. On top of the fact, the graphics are ass. Like, at one point, Beethoven is like... It was almost like a, a weird 4D kind of rip in time and space because his legs were, like, in the living room, but his body was, like, over this cabinet, and there was, like, no physical way a human body could have done that. But because of how his sprite was rendering on top of the screen, it looked like the weirdest fucking thing. Like, it was tripping me out. Um, so I was just like, forget it. I can't, I can't figure out the coffee. I can't figure out... There's no hints of any kind no nothing pointing me in the right direction and i'm like if i can't make coffee and light a candle i have no hope for the rest of this game whatsoever Good so golly. i no doubt yeah i'm out um so that is a total fail for me really old school point and click of the kind that i don't like but i will say if anything i said sounds appealing to you uh as in mozart or candles or coffee or point and click um gs2 games is publishing the retail boxed version of this game and the Steam version. So if you would like to purchase this game, I've been requested by the publisher who gave us a copy of this for the point of the show. If you would like to purchase this game, please go to https colon slash slash 
gs2games.com slash for more info about where you can purchase. I told them I would say that in exchange for this free code. There we go. I, I fulfilled my end of the bargain. Okay. And I'm very disappointed because I really wanted to play a Mozart RPG. I know. It seems interesting. It's not a Mozart RPG. It is not. that would be a different thing. Uh, I also put another asterisk next to it because I was not given a code, but I did just do some uh, research, <laughs> which is this game is from 2008. 2008. Um, I knew it had so to be fucking old. So that's why it feels dated. I'm sure they upgraded some stuff, right? But it was originally released in France only. So that was the reason why it's being re-released. Okay, so like PC on France from 2008? Yeah, and then I think maybe they added some bells and whistles. I don't know when they upgraded it, but that's the the skinny. That's Man, the skinny. I mean, real talk, dude. Like, why would you choose this game to bring out now in the year of our Lord, 2022? Well, I don't know. When there are so many other games. Like, it just seems kind of crazy. I mean, I guess if you got to do it for free or something, like if, you, if it cost you nothing to put it out, I guess, but... Yeah. Boy, this seems like a real tough sell these days. So. Well, it just makes me want a, a Mozart Beethoven RPG now. I mean, there was one for 360. Um, I forget what it's called. There was an actual JRPG that featured, I want to say it was Mozart. Oh, okay. Um, or maybe it was Beethoven. I get those guys mixed up. So. Anyway. Well, uh, and before we go back, just to go back to Kanji, um, I was right. Uh, I don't know why you, I was second guessing myself. You made me guess, second guess myself. I thought kanji was specifically Japanese only. No, so it's Chinese characters that the Japanese use, which is ah. it is the kind of weird thing. But that's what the more complicated characters are. Like in Japan, they have hiragana and katakana, which yes, is I knew that. everything, yes. you know, um, and the different versions there. But kanji is still used in Japan. Uh, so the Chinese script that's used in the writing of Japanese. So okay. I am well, there correct. You go. Thank, you. Some, yeah, thank you for clarifying that up. That's amazing. So okay. some kanji, then the words RPG. But of course, you have to know that kanji, which is... Exactly. Yeah. Well, we learned something new. Right on. Yay. We did homework like three times on this episode so far. Oh, exhausting. All right. Well, so much for Mozart Requiem. Uh, let's move on to you and hopefully a, a better experience. Outbound Ghost. Uh, funny name, funny title. I like it. And this is something I know you've been excited about for a while. Uh, full disclosure, though, I don't know really anything about this game other than there's a ghost and he's heading outbound. So what else is going on? In <laughs> he's this heading outbound. He's not going inbound. Outbound ghost. Yeah, I watched uh, kind of like the development of it on Twitter, which I think is a great place for this kind of stuff for indie games. Um, we, we, I think we found out about uh, Death Strange Trash. RPG. Strange yeah, RPG. Death Trash. Death yeah, Trash. exactly. All these people from like indie devs just kind of showcasing like early work which I think is a great place for it, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Here's some footage, whatever. And so I watched a lot of footage uh, from this developer. Uh, can you look up the name real quick? Yeah, I'll look it up, that? sure. Yeah, you bet. Um, and because, yeah, they were on Twitter and basically showing like, hey, I've been working on this game for like eight years or something, like many, many years. And Jesus, it's, that long? Oh yeah, God. it was something like that. And it's like, it's finally coming out. So I would just want to, you know, let, let someone know about it and check it out because the style in the videos is very like shareable because it's a Paper Mario style. So it's 2D looking characters. Right. But on a 3D plane. So yes, I think yes, yes. Paper Mario does that as well. It does. Yes. Yeah. You're correct. And uh, so it's that style. Really cool looking. You are a ghost and there's other ghosts as your NPC characters you're talking to. And I can tell you the story in a minute. But yeah, those visuals are really like arresting. And uh, you're just like, wow, that's a really cool world they built. And it's an RPG. So turn-based RPG. So, oh, excellent. So excellent. that's how I found out about it on Twitter. Uh, just really enchanted by those visuals. And then we were lucky to get a code. Um, and I definitely support, um, obviously, 
indie devs. So if there's any sort of DLC for this at some point, I'll check it out. But basically, it tells of a story of you as a ghost in the afterlife um, in a town. You're in a town. But the town, uh, the little kind of small villagey area, uh, everybody in the town died. Um, you don't know how, but they all died. And so there's all, all these ghosts hanging out. So you're one of the ghosts. And you're trying to figure out maybe what's going on. There's a detective ghost who thinks that you did it, by the way. And you're like, no, dude, I'm just here. I just got here. Uh, and so basically, you're talking to other NPC ghosts, trying to figure out what happened in this town. Because again, everybody in the town died. It's pretty intense. Um, and then you're doing um, turn-based RPG combat. Is it similar to Paper Mario in that it's kind of like turn-based, but you also like hit B for extra damage or hit A to block? Like, Is it like the active turn-based? Exactly, turn yeah. Okay, so there's gotcha. a lot of similarities there. And, and I can kind of like hate or love that style. But they do a couple unique things here. So first off, you, at least as far as I've played, and I'm not sure if this is the whole game, but I don't think you, the ghost, actually fights. You have like little ghost companions that fight for you. Oh, so like you like have minions or something? Yeah. And then you got to find new, like, uh, what are they called? Figments? There's like figments. Uh, No, I'm sorry. Your first one you get, your little kind of companion is called Regret. Which I think is it's funny because they tie all these things to like the story in a way, and then another thing I just unlocked was camaraderie. So it was like two little you know characters. Hmm. So it's an interesting take there, uh, and then you're doing you know straight up turn based combat where like attacks or skills. <clears throat> Some of the skills and different things you can get are tied to you know the ghosts that you're working with, right? Your companions, and then you can upgrade skills as well. You, there's some crafting. But yeah, the actual game to pl- game moment, uh, play by play style is you do the attack, they attack, etc. Um, and so that's kind of it. It's pretty straightforward. There's also lock picking, which I thought was weird for ghosts. But <laughs> I was you can't just fly through the lock. Huh? I know. I was like, I'm a ghost. I didn't think I had to worry about locks, so I didn't like them there being locks there. But um, yeah, and then that like there's the active time meter thing, right? So it's like if you get it right in the middle. It'll do more damage, et cetera. You can sure. miss if it, like, it gets on the sides. Um, but each different skill, like different skills, have a different um, movement of that meter. Does that make sense? So like, like It's not the same meter every time, like a different meter? Yeah, different style. So like the little thing's going left to right slowly. That's a normal attack. Then for like a special skill, it goes like super slow, then fast, then super slow, then fast. And so you have to time it with that gotcha. one. Sure, sure. And sure. then you can actually uh, create these little um, kind of upgrades that can turn off the meter. And you're like, fuck it. I don't want, I don't want to deal with that, right? And they're like use, uses, so you can't just do it all the time, right? Oh, you can't just permanently turn it <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah, but you can like build those. You can craft those. And so I, maybe you want to do that for a boss battle where you want to make sure you don't miss your attacks right. or something? Or just okay. like getting ready for like, you know, you're just, you don't want, you, there's like a tough area where there's a bunch of uh, monsters and you just kind of gotcha. make sure to gotcha. get through it. So okay, <clears throat> I've been creating a lot of those. Um, and you do, again, find lockpicks. So I, I'm, I'm not really in love with the lockpicking thing, but that's everywhere. Uh, and then as you traverse the landscape, my only kind of con is I wish I could jump, but they built the landscape so that you have to go certain ways, if that makes Can't sense. Can't you just fly? You're a ghost, man. I know. These are some limiting ghost things you can't do as a ghost. But like you have to like go along and hide in the shadows or hide in bushes. Um, and then if you know the path is like if it goes up a little bit in an incline, then you can go that way. 
but if there's a wall, you can't, you know? Mm. So there's definitely like blockage in the map that I don't, I'm not a fan of. Yeah. Cause I, yeah, yeah. I just feel like I want to be free forming as a ghost and jump at least or fly a little bit, but it, it doesn't really change the gameplay in any way for me, you know, but it's, it would be nice to have. Um, other than that, yeah, I, I think it's cute and um, the story's kind of fun. I mean, it's getting into some deeper things than I thought it would kind of pretty quickly. And it's also just kind of talking about the human condition, like the, the kind of like little companions you have. Like I said, one of them's called regret, you know, <laughs> and one of them's called camaraderie, like how to work together. So I think they're going to like open it up into like messages about, you know, sure um, how people should work together and things like that. And And again, this mystery of like, why did everybody die? It's like a whole town of, you know, ghosts. And then um, a little bit of talk about the afterlife as well. So I even I even found a ghost dog because <laughs> there was a dog that died in this incident. Oh, so sad. I know. But it, he's a happy ghost dog. So yeah. that's the game. I haven't played enough of it to really give you more, but I will. Um, and I enjoy it. I mean, it's just a cute RPG with some cool, interesting mechanics and an awesome art style. I just really like the 2D uh, paper. Yeah, it's really style. cute looking. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Excellent. Well, that sounds like a winner so far. That is Outbound Ghost. And I did find the developer. And, of course, I forgot what it was. I believe it is Conradical Games. I think that's just correct. Conradical Games, developer of the Outbound Ghost. There we go. Check it out. Check it out. And it's like All right. t- oh, totally affordable, right? I should look up how much it was. I mean, we got a free code, so it was very affordable. But I want to say it's not that much money. I could be completely wrong, though. Yeah. Check it out either check way. Check it out either way. <laughs> That's our new tagline. Yeah. Uh, okay, let me talk for a minute about something that is very affordable, as in free-to-play, Deathverse, Let It Die. So let's just uh, go back in the Wayback Machine for a moment. Let It Die came out several years ago on PlayStation. I believe it was a PS4 exclusive. Um, and Let It Die was a game that I really connected with. Uh, it was a very irreverent, strange game. The host of the game was Uncle Death, which was like a Reaper but he was like a radical skateboarder dude, and he was very like jokey. Um, you had your home base was it was a third pace third third person action game uh, where your home base was like a locker full of bodies, and you could switch between the bodies. There was all sorts of crazy equipment that you could use, like saws and drills and hammers and bats with nails through them, and all the equipment was like really grungy looking. And the whole thing took place in a giant tower. That changed every time you entered, uh, entered a play, entered a run. And so it was this strange game where you were trying to work your way through these decrepit levels. Um, every costume was weird. Every enemy was weird. It was really strange. A lot of grinding for materials. But man, that game hooked me like really hard. My wife, too. We both got like super into that game. We both finished it after, like, I want to say, like probably 200 hours or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you like talked about it on many episodes. Oh, dude, I loved Let It Die so yeah. much. I just like, it just for whatever reason, it just like, Every box was checked for me, and it just all came together really well. Um, so Let It Die eventually withered away, and just, you know, you know, it, it died with a whimper and not a bang, which is kind of a bummer, but whatever. I got 200 hours out of it. I can't really complain. But it's been kind of dormant for a while. I, I really thought they would do more DLC. I thought they would keep it going, kind of almost like a, um, a service game sort of thing. And they did for a while, but not, like, in a great way. Um, it seemed like they had more success than they were expecting, and then when they were successful, they didn't know what to do. Like it felt like their post game was like non-existent. And so they kept throwing stuff into it that didn't work. Like these weird collection materials, like these weird upgrade things that just seemed kind of like a money suck. 
they had you fight tougher versions of older bosses that just weren't really very fun and they just they just didn't have a good post game plan which was which was terrible because i feel like they could have milked that for at least another uh you know however long i would have put another 200 hours in if i felt like it was worth it but it just kind of died mm-hmm. anyway loved it it went away haven't thought about it for a while and then here comes death verse let it die same developers um and they're doing something different they're taking that same vibe of weird costumes weird weapons really irreverent kind of just strange uh nihilistic kind of tone to it and instead of doing a pve tower like they used to it is now strictly a pvp game that is basically like a uh a battle royale and a game show too it's also a game show there's also the strange framing of whatever weird world they're in um but yeah it's a pvp uh gosh you know a battle royale and i i I have very, very, very mixed feelings about this. Carlos, I know you played the demo. There was a free beta a while back. Um, any early thoughts on this before I keep going? I, f- I have a lot to say, but I don't want to. I want to give you a chance here. You have a lot to say? Interesting. Um, yeah, I don't have much to say. I don't. If it's PvP, I try it. You know, I always try it. <laughs> and then I go, oh, yeah, like uh, a, a kid just destroyed me in two seconds and I can't. Oh, I'll start it again. Uh, another kid destroyed me. By the way, I shouldn't say kid. It could be my age, too. It could be anybody. Anybody yeah. destroyed me. Anybody. Because they're all better than me. Like, that's how I feel when I go to a PvP game. I go, oh, this game was out for two minutes, and everybody's already a master at it. They know exactly which buttons to hit. And I think I'm speaking for a lot of people when I say this, is that that's what scares me for PvP. Like, if I don't even have a fucking chance, then no. I'm going to back away. Homer Simpson in the bushes. Get me out of here. I really did enjoy in the beta... Um, the world they created. Yeah, I love yeah, yeah. the the game show element. I love the characters. Uh, I wish to death it was a single player PVE kind of game. Totally, um, yeah. I've been all over it, even if it was roguelike, you know, because I'd like the style they did. Um, and I enjoyed Let It Die, the original, you know, but I just couldn't. There was enough progression for me um, to stick with it. But either way, this one, as soon as I got into it and started feeling good about myself, because there's a tutorial. Yeah. I was yep. like, oh, this is fun. You know, I, I think I'm good at this. And remember, I'm like, just like I said earlier, if I'm if I feel if I like the world and I feel good at it, it's a great situation. It makes you feel really sure. good. So sure. I in the in the tutorial, I was like kicking ass. You know, I was like, holy shit, I'm good at this, you know, and I get to the PvP game and I died. You know, I mean, like I, yeah. I, I was able to do something like they do do a good thing of like the map is varied enough and what's it vertical enough pretty vertical yeah, yeah so that i was like up on a high tower somewhere and like not sniping but like i could live a little longer or like plan an attack and then there's also pve enemies right so there's like actual yeah there's little monsters, monsters that kind of roam stuff. yeah yeah so i was like taking them out and trying to get myself better you know upgrading myself so i felt like i had a chance i think i killed two humans you know like real people yeah and right. i was like holy shit and then like dead and then like next new game dead immediately so, yeah, I'm fucking out. I won't ever go back to it because it's more me than the game. Uh, and I'd be interested to see what you say. But, like, PvP in general, I'm usually out. But this one, even though the elements and the, the, the style is really cool, nothing made me feel like I was getting better or, you know, upgrading myself so that when I came back in, I had a chance. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like I basically echo everything you said. I mean, I I really wish this was a PVE, or at the very least, PVEVP. It's kind of like Souls, where maybe there's a whole world and you can do your own thing. 
maybe you get wrecked by a real person once in a while or something like like yeah. when you get invaded in souls but in general i wish i was kind of just doing my own thing which is what the original let it die was um you're kind of just doing your own thing most of the time which was great i mean i i agree with you i feel like the okay so a couple things i feel like the tuning of the combat is not great and in the original let it die it wasn't great either but because you were playing pve most of the time it didn't really matter. Like, you didn't have to be too precise because you were just fighting, like, you know, AI bots or whatever, and it was not a big deal, and it was fine. But I do not feel this game has the technical combat that would make it feel satisfying to me uh, for PvP. Like, when we do PvP, I want it to be exact. I want things to do what I want them to do when I need them to do it. And I don't want to feel like I'm fighting the controls. And I feel like I'm constantly fighting the controls, which isn't a problem PvE, but when you're playing with other people... I want to dodge when I want to dodge. I want my shield to go up when I want my shield yeah. to go up. And I want, you know, this game, what it feels like it boils down to is whoever gets the first hit in will stun lock the other person and just kind of knock them around a bunch. And that just doesn't feel very good. Um, so I, I had some experiences where I got to like second place a bunch when I would get the drop on people, but then it was like, I got the drop on them. I stun locked them in a combo. And then by that time they were pretty weak. So one or two more hits and they were out. Uh, but, you know, like that, or I would die in five seconds when someone got the drop on me and they would stun lock me. And just the whole, like, who gets the first hit in is not, like, a really great way no, to, no. to play a game. Um, I also feel like people are getting good too fast. Like, I, I took a... I got in, like, the minute it dropped. Like, it was, like, midnight. <laughs> I know, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was, like, the midnight two days ago. I got in, played a couple times, whatever. I came back to it two days later, and I feel like everybody already has better armor. Uh, I think it's cosmetic, but at least it shows they've been playing more. And they got different weapons that they've unlocked. And I feel like they know the levels more than I do. Because I was getting like surprised and back attacked like all the time. Yep. And I'm like, okay, I feel like this game has already left me in the dust. And I don't really have any way to really get better other than to just power through. But it doesn't feel good enough for me to power through. Mm. There's a good point, a good point you just made, though, is the, the combat with PvE. That's why in the tutorial I was like, okay. But I was still like, oh, those iframes are a little off. Or like they are off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like or like my role like lasted too long or something. But in the PvE, it it's okay. You can be okay with that. But like you said, once it gets to PvP, it's like just a timing thing. You're like, Yeah, who got it? You know, it's like a dice roll and you go, or it's not a dice roll, it's a, it's kind of a they've figured something out because they've been messing with it enough, you know? Right, right, right. I hate that kind of thing. Yeah, it's a bummer because, like you said, I love the style. The style for me, and this is not a review, but the style is like a 10 out of 10. I love the style. I love the, the tone, the vibe, the sassiness of the host, like the whole nihilistic, like, death game show sort of a thing. Like, it's very cool. I love the way that it looks. I love the costumes. I love the weapons. Like, they're like buzzsaws that turns into a skateboard and, like, a, mm -hmm. a punchy glove thing that does, like, an electric shocker thing. And, like, it's cool. Like, I love it. It's very cool. And I want to, like, get more skins. And I want to run around and do stuff. But... When it gets to the gameplay, uh, I just feel like I'm just not going to play it because I get killed too quickly. It feels bad when you get killed in two seconds. I don't feel like um, the skill ceiling is very high because I feel like the mechanics of the game hold it back because it feels janky. And I just I feel like they, they took a wrong turn. I really wish they would have done more PvE. I would be in like hardcore. I could I could play this game for a long time PvE just like I did with the first Let It Die. But with PvE... P, it's like, mm, I mean, no, not really. I, I don't think I'm in. So it's disappointing. Uh, I know that there's more stuff coming on the way. They said there's going to be special game modes. I mean, I hope they take some of this feedback and maybe there's some PvE stuff coming up. I don't know. But in the current PvP state, I think I am out. I will use this uh, moment to also say that I'm out, but also to say as a tangent for these devs or any other devs, um, 
and also Moment of Silence, which I ha- I'll have in a minute, for Scavengers. Oh, yeah. The game that you played Bummer. and that I was a part of. I loved, I loved what I played in that right. game. Right. Uh, Moment of Silence. Here it is. Because that game is not uh, happening. And if, if it does, I think some of the tech from it or the, you know, the things they created will show up in another game, I think. Yeah. But unfortunately, that game I don't think is going to see the light of day, which is the saddest fucking thing because that use of PvP, PvPVE yes, yes, was yes. the best I've seen in any game. Agree. I Hands totally down. agree, dude. Yes. And agree. I did play it a ton. So, you know, there's a little bit of that asterisk next to it. But uh, having worked there at the company, but fucking amazing. Hasn't been done since. And if this game had that, are yes. you kidding me? Exactly. I would That's, be yes. in living in that world. It would be constantly on. Devs, listen to this. I wish you'd send it to him because literally, it would be on my system on rest mode, <laughs> and then I <laughs> I take it out of rest mode and I go back in and I kill a bunch of monsters or other like badass looking you know people NPCs, and then I'd fight some people that I saw in the real world. PvP would come in there, and I'd kill them maybe or maybe I'd die but whatever. But I'd always have that feeling of progression. Always feel that feeling of like it's not just tied to you know have the having the drop on me. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. that would just yeah, be I mean, a really fun environment. For yeah, me. I agree. These levels are really small, and so they 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 force you into conflict. But I just I feel like the conflict's not great. But the thing that I the trick that I think Death First is missing is something that um, Fortnite has figured out. And granted, Fortnite is huge, billion dollar company, the biggest uh, the biggest uh, battle royale out there. But what, what Fortnite gets right and what they understand is they know it feels bad when you die quickly, right? So they've recently implemented some stuff that lets you live longer. There's like an automatic shield that comes up to give you 50 extra health points. Um, there's different – you can hide. You can run away. You can like mantle things, do some parkour and stuff. So you've got options. But also in addition to that, the map gives you options. You can self-select. So like if you want to fight people, if you feel like you've got the juice – you can drop into like a hotter zone on the map and just fight right away. But like me, if you feel like maybe you're not at the top tier, you're not like one of those like really key players, you want to maybe go a little bit slower pace, you can drop like in a different part of the map where there's way fewer people and it lets you stay alive longer. And just the fact of being alive longer and just playing a little bit more before someone fucking headshots you yeah. is, is, is a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. And so in addition to that, Fortnite also has a lot of these weekly goals where a lot of them are not combat oriented. It's like eat five mushrooms, catch five fish, uh, roll five boulders or whatever. And so you can totally like play hours of Fortnite without really focusing on trying to kill other people, check off all these goals, go to quieter parts of the Island. You can play, build up your character and do stuff and earn rewards. And it's still a PVP in theory, but like in practice it can, it is self-regulated to be as more or less as you want it. And even though each match of course always devolves down to who's the last man standing, you can play for like, 40 minutes and not really fuck around with anybody and not be killed if you if you want to right and so i feel like that's something that death first could really benefit from let me survive for more than five seconds let me do more things on my own let me feel like i'm making some progress and then you know if it ends up in a brawl that's cool because it's a you know it's a battle royale but like it just needs to have a little bit more to it where i feel like i have more autonomy over what i'm doing yeah in scavengers you always felt like you were doing a ton of pve stuff that created these little stories and Very then cool. those stories you could have told anyhow, even if you die the next second, you'd be like, well, here's what happened in the game. We did this. We fought a bear. We went over here. And we did this thing with his monsters and, you know, zombies and came out. Yeah. And yeah, then, yeah. oh, yeah, at the end, we died with this other thing. But you t- can tell the story. I think that's exactly. the key, right? It's exactly. similar to like a good MMO. Like what my favorite memories of Ultima Online 
were from stories that I could tell that same way, right? Yeah. I went yeah. over this mountain. I was at a place I shouldn't have been. A monster chased me. I ran away from it. Um, there was another player there. We had a battle. I, I killed him, but then I went over here. And there's just so many different things in the world that happen. Yeah. And so it's I, it's interesting for like game developers to make a game like that. Um, you can do one with a finality, like you said, like at the end something happens, but it's that journey there mm-hmm, before mm-hmm. you do that finality. I think that yeah. Yeah, you're exactly right, dude. And it's like that with me for Fortnite too. Like I play with my my kid a lot, and sometimes it'll be like sometimes we get killed right after the bat, but we always have kind of a story like, oh yeah, we went up to like you know this one the gas station. And we were going to steal a car, but then these guys showed up and then we fought them on top of the roof. And then we like went to the beach or like, you know, there's always like some kind of like little, every game it's always quote unquote the same, but like you have these little micro stories, just like you're saying. Right. Um, and it, again, it's a shame that scavengers didn't make it. That would look awesome. But to, to have that experience, like when I play, when I play death first, I don't have that story. It's like, Oh yeah, I jumped in and I got, I got jacked within five seconds or I, I went in, I ran around and I, I tried to hit a guy, but I missed yeah. and he killed me. Yeah. Like it's not an exciting story. Like it's not anything fun that happens. And granted, it's just launched. It's brand new. It's probably going to grow. They probably have plans for it. But like initial impressions um, are not great. And to be fair, uh, Fortnite didn't launch with all these features. They've been going for like five years. So they've had all this time and money. So I get that, you know, reality for them is different. They can add things. But, you know, I think that just the general underlying philosophy of it doesn't feel good to die immediately and it feels good to have little micro stories that should really be taken into account for like any any battle royale or any PvP game coming up. You should really like expand your scope a little bit. Yeah, I think that's what we're really just saying. That's just yeah, a message yeah. to the devs. All right. All right. So that's that. Let death first, let it die. Probably will not be putting too much more time into it. So uh, let me talk about something that I really do like. Uh, this is a total surprise. I did not originally schedule this for the show. We did not get a code. I paid real cash money for this. I saw it on the Xbox store as I was scanning through and I'm like, you know what? This game looks like my shit i will definitely spend eleven dollars for this whoa and i will roll the dice that's right eleven dollar bet pretty high rolling i will say uh, it's called tip top don't fall oh Very and i almost bought name. it i almost bought it goofy name and i looked at it i'm like you know what this looks like to me this kind of looks like quop q-w-o-p it kind of looks like struggling if you remember me talking about struggling it looks like show. struggling and the other one with the guy who has um the pickaxe or something Yes, there's a there's a number of games in this thing, and what it, so what this game is, it's a 2D, looks like a little hand drawn. It's kind of a roguelike, although you can absolutely turn the roguelike off if you like, which is a big bonus. Uh, you are a mountain climber, and you're a lady mountain climber, and you you drive up to the bottom of a mountain. The mountain has little handholds, and they are procedurally generated. So every time you start a new game, the game will 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 redraw the mountain, and then you on your right bumper is your right hand, on your left bumper is your left hand. And then right stick is controlling your right arm. Left stick controls your left arm. And you got to like just climb. You look for handholds. You move your right hand over there. Grab it. And then that use that to push yourself up to the next handhold. Grab the next one with your left. It's very straightforward in practice. But it's a little bit trickier than that when you're actually playing. Um, so you got to figure out where to grab. And sometimes you have to be pretty mindful about where you put your hands. Because if you cross your hands over, that means you can't reach all the way because your hands are crossed the wrong way. Sometimes you got your hand a little bit too low on the rock, which means you're not going to get your full vertical extension when you reach with the other hand. So you got to reposition where your hands are going. Um, and also on top of that, each hand has stamina. So you can't just hold on forever. There's a little red circle that lights up the longer that you hold on and your hands get tired. And how you refresh that is you let go of one hand while you hold on with your other hand. The hand that is tired, you put it in your little um, chalk bag, you know, the, little, the chalk that like gymnasts and like weightlifters oh, yeah. put in their mm-hmm. hand, you know. 
she's got a little chalk bag on her on her belt. And whenever your hand gets tired, you stick your hand in that bag for like five seconds and it restores your stamina. So part of the game is just the physical reality of controlling two sticks, two shoulders. Um, and you can also use A to jump if you need to jump up to a higher ledge. But then also managing the stamina of your hands because do I have enough stamina to make it to the next ridge or should I should I uh, recharge now? Should I push on? Who knows? And like you're doing like little moment to moment stamina. Um, and so I feel like overall... This game is really fucking fun. I think it's just fun in a physical sense. I feel like it controls really well. I love the concept. I love seeing her kind of just like go around from rock to rock. And her legs are kind of like automatically controlled. So it's really funny because sometimes you'll you'll grab two rocks in a weird way. And then her legs will like scissor crab up and do this like kind of weird oh, like yeah. support thing. It's, real, it's funny. And I think it's really cute and adorable. I really love that a lot. Um, there's also, so there's a number of options as well. In the game, as it is just vanilla when you start playing it, it's permadeath. So if you fall, you're fucking dead, and you got to start over from the beginning. Uh, and there's, I think, I mean, I've been to like four different mountains, and each mountain has several courses. So I think as far as I've gotten is probably like well, maybe like eight or nine mountains in. Um, and if you die on mountain nine, you got to go all the way back. That's a lot, and yeah. it's very tough, very tough roguelike because even one slip, just like real life, even one half second of a misjudged grab or you think you got a support and you don't or you think you're gonna make the jump and you don't and you fucking die so i mean just like real life mountain climbing but to its uh and i think that works right there's also a little um a system i don't know what you call those little you know people are climbing they have those little metal hooks they put inside a they they, they hammer them into the wall oh yeah and they they put their rope into them i don't know what you call those whatever pythons or we won't something know like we that. won't know i don't know we're not i'm not a mountain yeah. climber obviously not a mountain climber in my physical shape, there's no way I can climb a mountain. Uh, so you put these little things on. They're scattered through the mountain. Every time you tie your rope to one, that's like a quote-unquote save. So if you die, you can restart at that one. But it gives you like a little bit of stamina penalty. So that's like a little risk-reward. But you can also turn it off, which I did. I, I mean, I tried it for like a day, roguelike. And I really like to play, but I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm dying. And this is really difficult, and I don't want to play this forever. So I turned off the roguelike. And you can just, if you die, you just start at the mountain again. Or if you die, you just start at the little rope hook thing again but like so you can turn off the roguelike and then it just becomes kind of like an actiony weird controlling game which is really fun um i like that they gave that option there because i probably would have quit after like a day of dying roguelike so i appreciate you can kind of self-select your difficulty it's really cute it's a great idea it's really a, a, like adorable i love the controls i just i like everything about this game it's just a really good time good fun uh, game. My, my kid really wants to play it. My wife wants to play it. Like, we are all very attracted to this game because it just looks like just good, clean fun, man. It's just really fun. My only question was, and I think you've answered it, is that when I first saw it, I was just afraid of it being too Octodadish, where like oh, it's yeah. difficult. Like, you just said struggling too, which is uh, a game I hated because I could do nothing <laughs> in that game. But do you think it's easier than both those kind of games? Oh, yeah. it is not. There is nothing random about this game whatsoever. It is all if you have a good lock on the controls, you're just you're like a machine. You're doing it, right? Got like, it. Okay. Once I got the controls locked in, I, I can climb the first mountain in like five seconds, no problem. Got it's it. Like, okay. Duh, 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 duh. So it's not it's not janky physics. It's not uh, randomness at all. Like it's all dialed in. It's just a matter of um, your mastery. That's all it is. Okay. So that seems yeah. really fun. It is really fun. I really like it a lot. Tip top, don't fall. I got it for 11 bucks on Xbox. I think that was a purchase well worth it. I'm having a great time with it. Check so. it out. Check it out. All right. Final game of the show. 
Valkyrie Elysium, a long time coming. I know we talked about it quite a bit. This is uh, Cyberpunk 2077 Part 2. Carlos's dream game. It's here. You bought it. Uh, You've been playing it. Uh, I'm very excited to hear about it. I hope that it has been everything that you wanted and more. It almost has. Oh, very close. TLDR. TLDR. It almost is everything I wanted. I mean, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I mean, I don't know everything you wanted, but that's pretty good. So Valkyrie Elysium, you're playing on PS5? PS5. I bought the digital deluxe version, which means I get the upgraded uh, HD version of Valkyrie Profile Lenneth. Yes, which the is the game. upgraded version of the original game, uh, which I we talked about on the show. I had not really fully played. And it was, when I went back and looked at it, a mixture of turn-based and action. It's kind yep. of a mixture. Yep, yep. So it's like buttons do different things. They're kind of in real time. But in this one, it's like straight up, you know, third-person action yes. adventure game. All about the action. What I loved about it in the demo was that I, you know, really enjoyed the combat. So... The art style, for to remind people, is very uh, specific. It's very unusual. Uh, up close on the characters' faces, it's super realistic, yet it's got a cartoony kind of cutout look as well. And then the background, like when you just see like a background area of the world, it's almost like um, a depth of field, out of focus look, and almost like a painting. So yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a strange blend of styles. It's a really weird blend of styles. It works perfectly. And I mean, I played the game for its entirety um, and I really like the style. So there's that. And it's the, uh, the, the, the kind of spirits that you collect along the way are like from the original game, Valkyrie Profile. They are the Enheriers, uh, which are basically people who have died and now you get to bring back to life to have fight at your side. Okay. And Harry Ayers. And Harry Ayers. Okay. That's not how I was pronouncing it. So thank you for that correction. Um, I think that I've heard it like many mm-hmm. times. How do you say it? And Harry Ayers. And Har- I was saying Ein, Ein Harry Ayer is what I was saying. But uh, I think it's in Harry Ayers. I'm whatever you say is fine because I'm, I'm going to roll. I'm going to roll with that game, too now because so. I've just yeah. picked that one. Um, <clears throat> so first off, combat. Why I loved it in the demo is why I bought the game. Very, very fun. Uh, in a similar sense, what we said a lot of times, uh, other games uh, in this podcast and like the Souls games, you can pick between, I think it's like a total of 10 different weapons. Now you get some in the beginning. If you pre-ordered it, you get a couple extra ones. But what's interesting is that you level all of them up. What other games do that? Like a, a few do it. Yeah, th- yeah, it's not unheard of. Sure. Yeah. Like leveling up a weapon. Now, are you talking about the, the weapon itself or are you talking about your mastery of the weapon? Um, so... The more you use it, you get to upgrade it. Like it gets like uh, letter grades, right? So it starts. Like the at weapon G. gets stronger, or you get like unlock moves or something. Yeah. So I think it, I think it just gets stronger. You know, I didn't even look up what it actually does. I think it just does slightly more damage, but it does have a letter grade. So like when I my weapon near the end of the game had SS rank, you know what I mean, and it started at G, so it goes G F, you know, all the way up. Um, and then you actually can upgrade your character itself, the Valkyrie, and she you know, upgrade stuff as well. And then you can upgrade the weapon. So there's like three different upgrade paths. Um, but my, I brought it up because you do basically have to f- pick the weapons you like. And then when you pick them, just got to focus on them. You know what I mean? Cause you're just going to be spending, um, crystals and stuff like that. To just upgrade. You want to min max. Yeah, like you yeah. want to focus all your, your, your resources on your, yeah. your good thing. And yeah, so gotcha. each weapon you find though, it, you know, kind of all, they all have a similar upgrade path where they unlock moves which again, this is kind of unique, I think, in an RPG. But so even though you pick like sword A, 
uh, and you unlock it to like, let's say it's full, full potential, you unlock sword B, it does all those same moves, but differently. Meaning like it's, you, du- you jump and double jump and then attack, it does this cool flourish sword thing, right? But with a spear, you dump, double jump and attack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I said dump, didn't I? <laughs> First, you take a dump, then you double jump. Wait, hold on. This is the name of the podcast. Oh, my God. You totally caught me off guard in that one, dude. I was not ready for that. My words have been off today. So, dump, double jump is the name of the podcast. Write that down. Double jump, Jesus Christ. So, when you... Let's try to focus now. I'm going to come back, okay? From dump, double jump. Sorry, I'm four years old. I found a dump to be really funny. Please call it out. I'm a yes and person. So, you jump and double jump. And then, with a spear, it's slightly different. You see what I'm saying? So it's like you're doing a same upgrade path, but each weapon has its own flourish, right? Or it has its own different style of how, like the range that it does, right? So I don't know. There's just a lot of um, difference in the attacks based on what sword you do. Okay. Well, that's good. Variety's good. Yeah. So I like all that. Uh, I picked the two that I like the best. Uh, there are like the, you know, strength weaknesses against certain enemies. I think that if you you don't really have to focus on it a lot in this game. It's there and it definitely like elemental stuff. You mean? Yeah. Like if you have a certain sword and you have a certain and Harrier who's doing fire against an ice person. Yeah. It definitely, you can see the difference. You'd taken damage, you know, quicker or whatever, but it's not like I wasn't super focused on it. So don't worry about that. Um, the story is real simple and I do like some of the twists and turns. I won't spoil anything, but you are a Valkyrie who was created by Odin, the all father to basically help save the world. And there's like spoilers abound if I explain any of that. So I won't. But that's your general idea is you're going down to these little places, um, Midgard, basically different parts of Earth uh, that are left, talking to some NPCs, but mainly you're talking to spirits, right? Because a lot of travesty has happened. A lot of uh, people have died. There's like, you know, basically barren towns. And you're talking to some people through doors. You know how the RPGs do that, where you're like, oh yeah, not that's the bloodborne them. maneuver. Yeah, I don't like that part of it, but I don't either. Yeah, I, I basically just accepted the the story of this game is about you being an otherworldly spirit, essentially, like kind of like a demigod that is going to help other spirits move on, right? Like that's kind of the whole thing. Which going back to Outbound Ghost, I forgot to say that's kind of your mission in Outbound Ghost is to help other oh, okay. other ghosts, yeah, okay. right? All right. So well, wait. If yeah. everybody's already dead, is there like an afterlife after the afterlife? Oh then? yeah, dude. Don't you know no no afterlifes? More afterlifes. Okay. Wait, All that's right. a good podcast podcast name or podcast. I can't speak anymore. <laughs> is uh bro, don't you know there's a afterlife after the afterlife? Jeez. Okay. Well, okay. I think we'll stick with a dump double jump. Dump okay. double jump is great. So basically, you know, you just play this game for the action. It's fun. It's super fun. You know, the harriers that you unlock. They, they all have different kind of things. One's fire, one's ice, one's, you know, special kind of warrior. And you just have fun, right? But the story does take some twists because I think early on I can say this, you know, Odin seems a little fishy. And you're like, I don't know, Odin. Some of the things you're saying are pretty sus. So, <laughs> As the kids say. As the kids say. So I feel like there's like some fun twists and turns when it comes to, like, what you think of Odin. Uh, right, which I think right. is really nice. Um, so anyway, so the combat's super fun. Um, as I said in the demo, I really like smashing boxes. It means you're going to like nope out of this game right away. 
because you do basically like always looking for crystals to upgrade your shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I find that addictive and fun. So if you don't, maybe you won't like it. But <clears throat> yeah, so I played uh, throughout the whole thing. There's subquests as well. So all the subquests basically help you upgrade yourself and your and Harry Ayers. Um, it would be hilarious if I'm saying it wrong this whole review, but I don't think I am. We'll, we'll get an email, I'm sure. We will. And so, you know, you're doing subquests just basically to upgrade yourself. So by the time I got to the final boss um, and newsflash, I beat this game, is I had maybe three of the four um, spirits with me uh, upgraded, maxed, okay. which means they could do all the spells that they could do. Gotcha. And it really does make a difference. Like in the beginning, <clears throat> it doesn't seem to make a difference. And you're like, I'm really killing all these monsters. You know what I mean? Sure. Like that thing where like uh, companions are like there in spirit. Ooh, pun intended. Or they're like, you know, they're doing some damage. They're being defensive for you. Sure, sure, But sure. you're fucking taking them out. But near right. the end, and especially at the last boss, they helped. Do you know what I mean? Like significantly Significantly helped. helped. Because basically what you do, and this is a really good TLDR, by upgrading them, you are basically creating defense for you. Gotcha. Right? So you're not dying immediately. You're not getting hit in those major attacks. You have three or four uh, spirits running around, you know, distracting the enemies or taking damage, you know, or fighting and doing a little bit of damage to the enemy. So, but near the end, I was doing some huge spells, you know, on that final boss with my and Harry Air. So, uh, and then the only um, downside I'll say, and I could talk about this in length, but we're already a little long on the podcast. Uh, I will come back to it at some point. There's two downfalls. One, the last boss, which I won't spoil. Uh, has many forms. You know how they do that. Oh, shit. But they do a good thing of... Uh, this is pro-con. The pro is they save it after each stage. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I like that. Please do that more <clears throat> games. Uh, the con was two of the last three stages of this last boss um, was you know that thing that I hate where I know how to do all these moves now, right? I know how to do the dump double jump. I'm all about that dumb double jump. I go in the woods real quick, pop it out, oh, double Jesus. jump and attack. Oh, man. Okay, jump, double jump out of the woods. But I can't use the dump the double jump at the final boss because here's what they do. It moves around too much. Do you know what I'm saying? So you cannot do your moves because the boss is too mobile? It's super mobile, bro. Okay. There's like three all stages, right. and I think all the stages – I have to use, there's like a, this grappling hook move that like lets you get closer to the enemies. Yes, that's right? true, yes. But then yes. once you get there, you are you can't do your plant, you can't plant yourself for your dump double jump. There's no way, right? Yeah. Because all those things that I'd done with all the, I mastered with the smaller enemies, it's just out the fucking window. Uh, so I that fucking sucks. hate that. The other thing I'll say as a, a pro is one of those special moves you can do, because you, I forgot to say, but you do your own magic spells as well. But one of the magic spells I unlocked by doing enough subquests is a Final Fantasy move where it does a cutscene. Like a big summon? Yeah, and nothing does that in the game except this one move. And so near the, the final bosses, I used that, and it was a big help because okay. I, I had to just get close enough to the final boss to, and then do my Final Fantasy move, and then it took major damage. So I would highly recommend for everybody to unlock that Final Fantasy move. I don't know what it's called, but it's something. So that's the only con is that that. And then the last con I'll say is a minor spoiler. <clears throat> so jump ahead one and a half minutes, two minutes. At the end, minor spoiler, you're never going to play it, right? I'm never going to play okay. this. 
there's a, hey, we're going to remake the world kind of ending, sure. right? Sure. You did your job. I, I was so good at my job. I had all my spirits. I wanted to keep playing. And it was a perfect story moment where they could have been like, we're going to this new place that's pretty much the same maps, right? And just let me keep playing. But of course they didn't. It's like, go back before you beat the game. You know what I mean? So, oh, so you can't, there's no, like, you can't just keep grinding. No, no, no. Too. And I just felt so, like, I love the combat so much. Uh, another TLDR is that, like, just this combat is one of my favorite combats in any, like, action RPG. I really fucking love it. Um, so, but I, I'm not going to go back to that game. Like, I'm going to play Lenith, and I'm going to hope that they use some of the same combat, I'm guessing, in Lenith, right? Because that'll be the best thing in the world to me. Um, but if they don't, that'll be whatever. But yeah. So I'm done with this game. Really enjoyed it. Um, I don't, I'm not going to score it now. I feel like I should score it because I've... Uh, you probably should because we're not going to talk about it again. I mean, you finished it. You're not going to get back to it. Fuck. I think it's a... Fuck. What is that? Uh, I want to say nine. Really? I don't know if it's a nine. <laughs> He's like changing my own review. I mean, like, I, I know you really like it's it. Like, but like, okay, so let me let me run this by. Yeah, let me, let me help me this. figure okay. out the number. So let me help you figure this out. Yeah. So... So now, now we do not follow the same game critics rubric, right? So we're not we're not bound to the same. No, rubric, we've said which that is before. Totally fine. Yeah. But in, for me, like a gut check for me, and you can do whatever you want is fine. But for me, when I think of like a nine or like even a ten, that to me is something like this game brought something legitimately new to the table, new idea, new mechanic, something I've never seen before. They really maybe they didn't nail it perfectly. Maybe there's a problem or two, but like what they're going for is they're swinging for the fences. Something that feels to me like wow like i really want to tell somebody about this right but like in my mind an eight is like okay i've done something like this before or this is like something i've seen in some other fashion but it's done like really really well like it's super enjoyable it's polished like it feels very good like super respectable right mm -hmm. and then to me like a five is like yeah we made a game here it is so like st with with five being like just average like your average game like we're seeing on the, the PS store, like we railed about the last couple of weeks or whatever, something just, uh, you know, you're, you're a genre entry, nothing fancy. Can't remember the name of the, of the hero. It doesn't do anything you haven't seen before. That's like a five for me, as long as it works. But then like an eight is like, all right, cool. This is like, if I was going to, if I was going to pick one out of a genre, I would pick this one. And that would be like my solid eight. That would be the best one. But when I like, like death stranding or something, that's like a, that's like a nine or a 10, probably more of a nine. Cause there are some issues, but like crazy idea brand new like it invented the strand like genre right mm. like the stuff you did in the game was brand new yeah so like maybe something along those lines i mean that's just my that's okay just my well, let's take this part real quick and we're already yeah. running long but let's yeah. take this part real quick one you're helping me in the simplest uh way get back to what i originally was just gonna say which is 8.5 but okay i didn't want to say 8.5 because that's all i've given so far <laughs> Oh, is it really? Yeah, because uh, Sword and Fairy <laughs> was 8.5 because they were doing something new. It was a new take on uh -huh, RPGs. Uh -huh. It was me thinking of like NPCs in a different way. Like just so many really smart things they did in that game. And I liked and the you combat. Loved you loved it. And I love the combat. Okay. So I think it's so similar. It's not doing enough new things. But at the same time, it was my entire world for like a week. Right. right? right. And it's super enjoyable. Like you got super into this game. Super enjoyable. It checked your boxes. You had a great time with yeah. it. Yeah. But not, so, but not really doing anything new. But also, right. I would say that it, almost the counterpoint what I just said, it, it's doing something that I hadn't done in a while, which is like I haven't played an RPG like that, which is more about like stages, 
right? Sure. Which sure, I sure. didn't even mention, but every time you beat an area, they call it a stage even. Like, yeah, you know, it's not an open world or anything. Yeah, like, it's, it's like, like little Devil section. May Cry or something in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I did enjoy that because I had not played a game where it's about stages and not really about the overwhelming like uh, gaining of XP. Sure, sure. Yet I enjoyed it. So I mean, this to me, based on listening to you, this sounds like something that's taking established concepts. Maybe you haven't seen them in a while, but like I, I haven't heard anything here that's that's new, really. But what it does, it does really well. You really enjoyed it. You feel like it was really polished in a certain sense. And so it was a great time. I mean, that to me, I mean... <laughs> I I don't know if you want a three peat, but it does sound like an eight point five. It's an eight point five. Okay, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it eight point five. At the same time, you can take anything from that review that we just said. But I will also say this: I don't think I think I disagree that a game has to do something new to get a high score because oh sure, like that just doesn't like logically work for my brain and how I've scored things. Oh before. yeah, and you don't have to follow right, right, just, right. But just I'm just saying, like, because like. An Earthbound did, and I was like, whoa, what's happening now? But then another game that's like Earthbound, that's a turn-based RPG that I loved, you know, um, hasn't changed anything at all, but it's just, like, amazing or something. So, Well, so, well let's talk about that for a second, just to really quickly, because I think that's a good point. So, like, Earthbound at the time, I mean, I would say that would be easily, like, a 10 out of 10, because it was new, crazy, different, trying new things. It's approach to, like, how you looked at an RPG. Like, that, to me, was pretty groundbreaking in yeah, a lot of mm -hmm. ways, right? But it, there was a couple games that came after that that were kind of biting at steez, right? They're kind of doing the real world thing. They're kind of doing the kids adventure thing. Those to me like wouldn't get a 10 because you're not bringing anything new. You're just following the success that Earthbound opened up. So it might be totally fun and enjoyable. But if you're not doing your own spin, that to me is like, oh, maybe it's like a 9. Maybe it's like an 8.5. Maybe it's great execution. But you didn't bring that heat. Like you didn't open that door the way that Earthbound did. Or same thing for Souls, right? We're like Dark Souls, even though I've got problems with it. I could see somebody making an argument for it being 10 out of 10 because, oh shit, this is like, I mean, it revolutionized our fucking industry, right? Like you can't get away from Souls now. But all these other Souls games coming afterwards, maybe they're well executed, but they're not gonna they're not gonna be 10 out of 10 because you're just following these footsteps, right? So that's that's kind of like how I fall with it. Okay. And and that's kind of what I'm thinking. So, I mean, along those lines, I mean, maybe that resonates with you. Maybe it doesn't. Well, let me add to that. Um, so in that example, and just using RPGs, um, I agree with the Earthbound being 10 out of 10. I mean, it's, again, it just... It, yeah, that's right a grand time, right place. RPG, it did sure. modern RPG like I always still want. Modern yes. setting. But so to counterpoint that, Final Fantasy 15, I loved. I would call that a 10 probably for me. I, I, okay. Yeah, I think it's a 10. Like. Everything about it, like the, the weird, it did add some new things. In fact, it did some new little stuff. story it did. Yeah, of like it did. going across some really sad moments that I didn't think would be <clears> sad, you know. Um, and then on the ending, which is one of my favorite endings of all time, it's probably a 10 for me. So when I play Final Fantasy 16, hopefully fucking this year or early next year, uh, I think it's still slated for December or something, but um, it's going to be, I think, more of 15. And mm -hmm, I could, mm -hmm. I think it could easily be a nine or 10 because I just want more of that. And sure. if they kill it just like they did in 15 um, and maybe don't have that story of four guys in a car, but I don't need it anymore. Right. I think it still could be that same way. And Forspoken, it, it's going to some of the people that, by the way, worked on Final Fantasy 15 worked on Forspoken, I found out. Oh, okay. So and it looks like that. If you look at the gameplay, if that game is just like 15, I'll be like, yeah, that's fine. Like that, that's a high nine for me too, because it's like that's I want more of that. Yeah. And also yeah. to another point is Dark Souls and Demon Souls, which I did go back and play, and even though I can't beat them and I'm fucking shit at them, uh, and then I did beat Elden Ring. I would mm -hmm. say some people call Dark Souls and Demon Souls tens or whatever, but I, for my mind, it would be 
those are nines and Elden Ring is a 10. I mean, I think that's valid, too. I mean, you could make a case either way simply for execution because it is executed better. Right. You could also say better. because it goes to the open world and uh, all the different player amenities and the refinement of the formula, I think, could make a pretty good argument. So it could go either way, man. I mean, I, I think for me, and this is just me, not for anybody else, but just for me, any game that's just a really done more of the same is never going to be a 10. But if it does some new spin, like, you know, the Elden Ring refinement or the, the real world approach of an Earthbound or something, that to me is like a, a pretty good candidate for a 10. But that's, that's just me. All right. Well, listeners, let us know what you think on that. And uh, maybe that bring up some discussion points. So just to clarify, as we're wrapping this up, you're locked in Valkyrie Elysium. You played the hell of it. You finished it. Your review officially on the Soviet Games podcast, 8.5. It is. It is. I think hopefully okay. someday I'll do another score. <laughs> I mean, but I think I, it's just those two so far. All right. Well, that's it. That's a very respectable score. Nothing to sneeze at. So 8.5. There we go. All right, folks. This is the end of our game's content. What a show. Jam-packed. Jam and just think how great it'll sound if I get that new computer. Yes. Hint, hint. Nudge, nudge. If I can get more than one window on the show, it's going to be rocking. Jeez. But... Before we wrap up, uh, I wanted to give a quick shout out to people who have retweeted the show. Uh, love you. You're all my personal heroes. My Tainted Brain on Twitter, Adderblack39, Constant Hero, and Sentinot Plus, another frequent retweeter. Thank you all very much. I really appreciate you sharing on your timeline, getting our nonsense into your feeds. I really, really appreciate that so much. Thank you. Um, and uh, let's see, a couple last things before we go. Anything before we go, Carlos? Um, one, I just want to make sure that you're watching Little Demon. Did you start it? you okay, son of got, a bitch we got to talk about it we got to talk about it so you <laughs> wait 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 we had to talk about it as in you did watch it and no you didn't like we watched it? three episodes we watched three episodes <gasps> i'm afraid of what's happening next okay so just to give context uh, this was uh last show you recommended was reservation dogs that was a 10 out of 10 dude that's yes. like one of our new favorite shows yep. we just watched the season finale so did i wow so Very powerful, powerful stuff now quick clarification did they do renew for season three? I heard some yes, some no. I don't know. And I, I, A, I don't even care because I'm happy with whatever we just got. Yeah. yeah, yeah but yeah. I really would like to see more. So I think they will. <clears throat> season two ends like it could be a series ender, but I yeah. really hope that we get a season three. So I mean, anyway. again, how many episodes of Reservation Dogs has like brought me close to tears or in tears? Multiple. And yeah, same, that same. End, end, end part in the water. Without yeah, spoiling anything, good. just pretty incredible. Powerful. Yeah, yeah, incredible. So that was a win. That was a win. And then you recommended Little Demon, and we were looking for a show, and we watched like the first three episodes, and I got to say, this one was not as successful right. as that. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. The first episode was pretty good. Um, like, it was bloody and gross, and you find out that this girl is the daughter of the devil. Totally fine. That was all fine. Like, we were, we were, everybody was on board. We got some laughs out of it. Good, good stuff. But by the time we got to episode three... Um, we started feeling like it was inappropriate, uh, inappropriate for our 13 year old. And also it was stuff that we didn't want to watch because they started getting gross. And I feel like just for the sake of being gross, there was like necrophilia jokes. There was like a lot of like sex with a serial killer jokes. And it was, it just felt like we didn't really want to go there. Like it was pushing it too far. And we started getting a little uncomfortable with our kid being in the room. And my wife was really turned off. She's like, I don't want to watch this shit. So um, right. I, I have to say, I kind of agreed with her. It, I, I like the premise. First episode was good, but I feel like they are they are pushing it too far just for the sake of reaction. So I don't disagree. Okay. And that's why I did put the asterisks on it. I said yeah, there's some nudity and some weird shit. You did. Um, and I think that because I've finished, I think it's the season finale. I, I, okay. I watched a lot of it. And um, so there's other episodes that are 
you know, when you write, when you make anything, there's a timeline of like, sure. you get better at it. You make, you know, better choices or whatever. Scripts are better or whatever. The last few, like I said, the one where the kids, the one's just about a kid feeling fat, which going yeah. back to fat, I think is an excellent episode. Like a standalone episode. Yeah. Very like, like the only grossness is how he sees himself. Right. But it's not about like, you know, cutting people's heads off and then having sex with them or something. It's like really about this kid's feelings, you know? And then they do a hotline at the end of the show. So it's like, it is night and day, that show. I think it's polarizing. I think I agree that there's too much stuff that doesn't need to be there because it can stand on its own without it. I would agree with you. So yes, it's like, I agree. I agree and disagree in the fact that like I still like it. And I think it's maybe better for adults then or something. But yeah, even yeah. that, I just think that there's moments where it's like special. And it's, it's unfortunate that they go there when they don't need to sometimes go there. That's exactly it. I, I agree with you. I think that the parts that we saw, there were definitely some good bits where we had some good discussions and good points that we were talking about. But there was a lot that just felt like, oh, boy, wasn't that what we just said? Just super gross. And oh, look at this. Isn't this really gross? And it was like it, it just wasn't it just wasn't done well. Like sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. It didn't work. And I think that um, we're probably not going to risk it anymore because we we got to know about it. Necrophilia and sex with a serial killer. We cannot, we cannot keep doing that with our kid. In the room, yeah. So. And by the way, near the end, like the, this last one I watched, watch just again, to kind of defend it in a, in a small sense, like there was about this woman who couldn't let go of her ex-husband. And so yeah. it's like, they keep bringing up things that are very interesting and, and discussion worthy. So anywho, yeah. um, so there was that, there's that. And also uh, I want to point out, uh, everybody should check out. And I think every human being who has Netflix, which is, I don't know, a pretty a lot of big recommendation to check out a documentary in U2, Brad Galloway. There's no gore in it. There's no uh, massive, no crazy, yes. you know, things. Uh, it's called A Trip to Infinity. It's quite possibly the best, one of the best documentaries done on Infinity. Uh, and also just a great science and quantum physics documentary. I am uh, obsessed with quantum physics and understanding the matrix and the real uh, goings on of this world. I study it all the time. I just got a new book by Carlo Rivelli, which I highly recommend, called Helgoland, which is a place, a little island with no trees on it. But um, yeah, check that out. But also, it's called Trip to Infinity. It's on Netflix right now. It's just excellently done. It's not only really smart about you know making you think about what we're doing here, like what you know what is infinity, but what are we a part of? You know, what is this experiment called life and the universe? But also, there's a lot of fun like um, storytelling methods. Like uh, the, one of the uh, talks about the Hotel Infinity, which is a you know a fictitious hotel that has infinity rooms in it where they use to try to figure out what this is, is done all in a 1920s cartoon style. Hmm. So it's like, you know, all of it's like these, you know, animal kind of creatures from the 1920s drawn. Um, so anyways, it's just a lot of great storytelling uh, devices in it really smart and it will definitely open your eyes uh, onto a bunch of topics. All right. Right on. Highly speaking. Yeah. And Excellent. also I'm doing the shutter thing. Cause we talked about it last episode. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we're both watching that, right? The, the top 101. Top 100. Scary. 100, 101. Yes. Yeah. That's what really I love shutter. Oh, great. Um, for me, quick shout out to my friend, Daniel Durant, who is on dancing with the stars right now. Really good personal friend of mine. We work together on a bunch of projects. And in fact, I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but he used to do, he did a number of video reviews for us at game critics, uh, oh. or in sign language. So we go back. Uh, I love Daniel. He's amazing. He was in the recently Oscar winning film Coda, uh, handsome guy, actor. He's on dancing with the stars still. Uh, he's doing really good. He's doing really good for a person who is deaf and can't hear the music. 
So he's finished, I think, in no lower than top five, I think, the entire time. Wow. So please give a shout out to uh, Daniel. Watch the show. Vote for him if you watch that show. Uh, I want to say that I watched The Last Starfighter from like 1981, 82. Have you seen The Last Starfighter? I mean, in 1981 or 1982. Man, we watched it last week. Uh, this is a story about a guy who lives in a podunk town in the middle of nowhere. They have one arcade machine. He gets really good at playing this arcade machine. And it turns out that this arcade machine is not just an arcade machine. Uh, it is a recruitment tool for people who are fighting a war in space. Yeah. So he rolls he rolls uh, the top score. And then aliens come down and say, holy shit, you're really good at this game. That means you're going to be really good at fighting aliens for real in our spaceship in space. And they take him up and, you know, it goes from there. What a wonderful, it is a perfect 80s film. Yeah. Um, it is really well constructed. The laughs are pretty good. It's got some good heartfelt moments. There's no cringy 80s stuff. There's no homophobia. There's no racism. There's no sexism. It is just a really well-written, really awesome film that any kid will just identify with that dream of like being selected out of nowhere to go do something amazing and to fly spaceships. And it's, just, it's fucking awesome. It's really awesome. And also, side note, I have not confirmed this, but the 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 last Starfighter, the ship that they have, it's called the Gunstar, and its super move is called the Death Blossom, where it opens up these little hatches and it spins around in a circle and it unloads like a thousand shots all at once. It can only do it like one time, and it's like a, a like an attack of last resort, right? That is the Death Blossom. Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers, but in uh, Overwatch, if you play a Reaper. His super move is called the Death Blossom, where he pulls out his guns, he spins around in a circle, and he fires like a thousand shots. Oh. I have to feel like that was a direct homage to The Last Starfighter. It must be. Yeah. It's too similar to be a coincidence. So anyway, uh, very influential film. I love this film. It's a perfect film. Show it to your kids or just watch it yourself. It absolutely holds up, and I say it's one of the best movies of the 80s, hands down. Check it out. Check it out. Final thing. Something that is not a good thing is Andor. Are you watching Andor on uh, Disney Plus? No, I don't. Uh, do I not? I don't think I even have a subscription right now, so no. So Andor is the brand new mm -hmm. Star Wars series. They just finished Obi Wan, which I didn't watch because I don't care. I'm kind of tired of the whole Star Skywalker thing. I want to move on, and I want to get some new stories like The Mandalorian. Mandalorian is awesome. Uh, I want more of that where it's like new characters, new story, new adventure. So Andor came out, and I got to say, it is the most boring Star Wars content that has ever been created in the history of all Star Wars. Wow. It is so dull. It is a story about a guy who makes a bunch of bad choices, and I'm not sure why we're even learning about him. They tell us his backstory, which I don't really understand why that's important. There's a lot of bureaucrats which argue with each other. Uh, a lot of people talking about who's got jurisdiction over what, and a lot of people who are saying they're not following policy. And then we go to talk to some more people who squabble a little bit because they're cranky about some stuff and that's what the whole show is about it's just a lot of people talking and you don't know why you don't know what it's leading to you don't really care and it, it seems like this is based on okay um semi-spoiler if you don't want to be spoiled for andor then just don't listen to this and you can know about now but like in the original star wars trilogy like way back in the day at one point uh this lady in a white gown shows up and she's like yo here's the plans for the death star and then somebody's like cool thanks that was enough for me, right? I was I was fine with that. I didn't really care. She's like, yeah, some spies got it for us. Cool, cool, cool. I didn't care about that, right? That was it's just a MacGuffin. But people, I guess, got upset about that. So they made the movie Rogue One, which explains who those spies were and how they got those plans to give them to that lady in the white robe who eventually gives them 
to the rebellion in the Star Wars movies. They made a whole movie about that one lady who was just a throwaway line that really didn't matter. And then Andor is about the backstory of the people who will orig- who will eventually become the spies who will then go into that movie that go to get the plans who then give it to that fuck we're like we're like three levels of like non-important backstory down yeah and they are mining this further and further <clears throat> what fucking nerds care about this dude like you got to be the most hardcore star wars fan on earth in the planet to want to watch this story that shouldn't even be a story and it's just about bureaucrats squabbling over bullshit well it's a very e- easy answer for me which is why i probably didn't know about this and haven't watched a lot of stuff when it comes to that that um series is because they just keep making you know, it's a money grab. Like, I just feel like yeah. there's so many, like, hey, we saw the success with this one thing, Mandalorian, right? And it's like, let's just do as a million, you know, offshoots so that we can keep, you know, getting people's attention or I don't know. I mean, ugh, the Star Wars license, it's got a potential, right? But I want some new shit. Like, I mean, I jumped on Reddit just for a second and, like, see some people who echo my feeling. It's really boring. And it's like, within five minutes of scanning this Reddit thread, these people had like a hundred ideas that were better and more exciting than what we were doing here. Right, and it's like, right. why don't we do something new? Like we don't need to keep mining and mining and mining the smaller and smaller minutia of star Wars. Let's use this framework, the galaxy, the spaceships, the aliens and Mandalorian did that really well. They told brand new stories, which were fucking exciting. Mandalorian is the best star Wars thing in years. Let's do more of that and not go crawl further and further up our own asses with this boring shit that nobody cares about. Yeah, I agree, and I also have sub. I have a, uh, I have something that can I recommend a movie then? Yeah, good. Last one, go for it. <laughs> because the exact opposite of what you just said, there's a movie I've been waiting to watch. It's on Amazon now for you know rental, <clears throat> so people can just rent it to stream it. Um, I was going to see it in the theater, but um, yeah, I had a friend also say she saw it recently. It's called Vesper. Oh, I heard this is amazing. Is it out? Yeah, it's out right now on oh, Amazon fuck. streaming. I'm going to go watch this today. So I think we'll watch, watch it right tonight now. myself, too. So it's a struggling to survive with her father, who's, like, I think paralyzed. And there's a, it's a, the earth has collapsed. Like, the ecosystem's gone and just changed. And earth looks like a, almost an alien planet. And there's a 13-year-old girl named Vesper, I guess. And she has to use her wits to figure out, like, what's going on. But... This, the trailer is amazing. Like you see that she, oh, dude. Yes. she finds like a little robot that's floating. There's like weird cultures out there, like different, you know, um, everything just feels alien, you know, even though this is supposed to be like Earth, you know, right? And um, it, it says in the trailer, which I can kind of believe, it creates a new genre. Like this, the movie itself creates a new genre. Also, it's not rated. I looked up ratings and it says it's not rated. Interesting. Um, but... Yeah, I don't. It doesn't seem like a you know intense like violent movie or anything. It like seems like a heartwarming thing, but also very weird and robots and I don't know. It reminds me a lot of like um, that Amazon series that came out a while ago. I think it was called like Infinite Loop or something like that. Oh yeah. And then mm-hmm. also like where it was kind of like real, but also there was like alien technology interspersed with like real life, and also um, a game something like Iron Harvest maybe where it's like. World War II, but there's also like mech suits and there's kind of like this weird technology that kind of like skews the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like watching the trailer of Vesper, I was like, oh yeah, it looks like decrepit world and stuff, but there's also like robots and there's also kind of alien stuff, but it's also people's story and this this kind of like weird mishmash. That trailer is fucking awesome, dude. I didn't realize it was out already. I'm going to definitely watch that tonight. It's got sure. like drama, definitely like at its core, you know, and like yeah. heartfelt stuff, but also about 
like obviously ecology and like plants and finding the right seed and metaphors and stuff, but also sci-fi. So yeah. anyways, yeah, yeah. that's a good uh, pairing with the other thing that wasn't as good. Good call out. All right, excellent, Vesper. And I think with that, we are going to wrap this show. Probably the longest show ever. Possibly the longest show it's ever. It's gone long. Know. It's gone long. All right, folks, that's it. We're going to hang it up right here. As always, send us your questions and comments. Please hit us up, sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. We're on the Twitter at sovideogames. Reach us individually. Carlos, where are we directing your traffic this week? Uh, I do a, a side podcast called uh, What's the Bit Now? It's about comedy. It's basically just me and my buddy Carlos, also named Carlos, uh, just saying weird shit. Is it just you? It isn't. We, I think we already did this bit. Ah, back to bit. I think I, oh, I think I told you this last time, and you go, Carlos, is it just you? There is definitely another Carlos. He's black tie, and I am Mexican, Native American. So we're two different people. Anyways, what's the bit? Just look on YouTube. Uh, what's the you bit? You said black tie, and I thought he's like wearing a tuxedo. He also is wearing a tuxedo, and he also okay. is like he's very African American and Thai. So he's okay. He's gotcha. Both. Okay, I was very confused for a yeah. Um, and then anyway, so what's the bit podcast? Just search for that on on YouTube, and you'll find <clears> the clips. Excellent. As for me. Same as always, Twitter and Instagram, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. And I'm going to give you one final pitch for our GoFundMe. Uh, I, I promise I will not bring it up again. We will not talk about it on the show ever again. Uh, but if you can, kick in a couple bucks to help us get a new computer so I can have more than one window for this program, for this mm-hmm. show, for this podcast, I would love that. Um, so that's GoFundMe. Just search So Video Games on GoFundMe. Even a dollar helps, but like five or ten, anything you can. If you listen to our show... If you've appreciated our content, if you like our laughs uh, or anything, if you just want us to sound a little better on the podcast, I mean, I appreciate that too. But uh, please, anything would be great. And again, we will not beg. I will not make this a big deal. This will be the last we ever talk about it. Um, And we'll go from there. But thank you very much if you can. Otherwise, that's going to do it for this episode, episode 304. Uh, Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for having us in your home, in your car in your ear holes it's a pleasure to be here and we will see you next week but in the meantime this is bye from brad and bye from Carlos. <laughs>